105. While you guys were away, we went ahead and skipped 103 versions and have come up with Virgin 105. 105. <laughs> let's, let's try that again. <laughs> oh. As soon as I started saying it, I knew it was wrong. I, I just <laughs> See, you got to just take that and just roll with it. All right, here we go. <laughs> because 3 through 104 was complete shart. <laughs> So, as you might have guessed, this is episode 105 of RC Heli Nation, version 2.0. There you go. <laughs> How does that sound? That's better. <laughs> Much better. We got Nick. What's up? We got Justin. What's going on? We got that compass guy. What's up, guys? What, what's your name again? Who, me? Yeah. Compass guy? Yeah. Or you mean my real name? Yeah. What? Yeah. Oh, I'm I'm Jesse. Jesse, that's that's right. Yeah, I'm just you know hanging out. This is what I do on my Friday nights. So. <laughs> dude, you are one boring dude for a young man. For yeah. a, for a college student, yeah, yeah. He he know. gets online with three other dudes and talks about helicopters. Think about that for a second. Yeah, Think of the implications of that. Three old men. Whoa, whoa, Stop! You got you guys just got <laughs> one old there. man. Hey, you you two are old men too. What what just happened, dude? <laughs> Dude, they're pretty much just trying to make me feel bad about my don't, life. Don't lump <laughs> me into that. Are you guys going to let me take the solo old man title? You're going to do that to me? I'm not going to let you. I'm just, I mean, that is your title, dude. <laughs> it's That's naturally it's how like, it works. yeah, I mean, you can't, you can't fight that. Thanks for your support. You could fight it. You could dye your hair. I mean, the bottom line is, is like you were in fourth grade when Nick and I were born. Oh my God. That makes you an old man. Wow. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah, how'd that one hurt? <laughs> yeah. Mm. Here we are. The old man. I'm not even going to say what grade you were <laughs> in when I was born. Dude, I was out of high school when you were born. I, know. I was jamming out to Motley Crue. In <laughs> Jesse was born in the 90s. That is such a, a weird thing to say about what, someone. What year were you born? 91. Holy 91, shit. dude. Wow. 22 years old. That does make me feel old. I remember collecting 91 uh, Topps baseball cards in Don Russ. <laughs> I, got, I got a set of those. I think I still have some. Like, that was, I was, I was really into it. Nerd. <laughs> They're 91? baseball cards, dude. It's <laughs> not nerdish. Hey, my no, brother, no, my brother collect. collected baseball cards, and he is a nerd. Well, don't want There's me nothing in wrong there. with it. Dude, yeah, had, and this this hobby, man, it's not Dude, anyone nerds. that collects anything is a nerd in yeah. some way. So Yeah, that's true. What 
Um, what what's the what are we here for? But we've graduated to collecting toy helicopters. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they just got more expensive. So I think uh, let's get back on track because uh, we could talk about this stuff forever. Maybe we should make another show for that kind of stuff. Do you guys have time for that? Do you guys want to do another show about Sure, this why shit? not? I got yeah. Are you going to double our paycheck? I I absolutely will double your paycheck. Oh, I am in. <laughs> 0 times 0 is what? 0 not enough. <laughs> been a long week. So what's been going on, guys? Anybody been doing anything fun? No. No. Do. No. Yes. <laughs> what have you been doing, Justin? I've been having an awesome heli week. You really? I don't believe you. It's true, dude. I saw the weather report. I don't believe you. Yep. Well, get get this. Did I you? went out last Saturday oh, and flew. Oh, did you buy put some? about eight or ten flights on the helis? Did you buy some big girl panties. Oh, dude! I've always had big girl panties. You just never used them. Yeah, <laughs> I rock commando style. Oh, that's more information than any of us needed. But anyway, you were out <laughs> flying in the weather. Yeah, so last Saturday, I got about eight or ten flights in, mostly on the Goblin, still tuning the Castle Governor, and I think I've got that pretty nailed now, Uh, and then also been trying to put in the last few flights on the Gasser before I finish up the review on the Powerbug Alternator, which is going pretty awesome. I also, you know, last episode, we talked about those power supplies that Nick picked up. The uh, HP DPS 1200 FBs, those are the 900 watt 12 volt supplies. I picked up two of them pretty much right after we got done recording last week's show. They showed up today and I've been playing around with those. Man, they are really small. Like Nick, the pictures that you sent did not do it justice. No, they don't. I did not. I mean, I opened the box and was like, dude. This is crazy. <laughs> it's it's like it's like six inches long by three inches wide by like an inch tall. And it couldn't weigh more than what, two pounds? Yeah, they're really, really yeah. light. They're really amazing. <sighs> so I then proceeded to start pulling one of them apart because I gotta figure out how to float uh the high side one, the 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 one on the twenty-four volt side. Uh and I think I've already figured that out. So, um, if you're interested, Nick, let me know, unless you just are going to go and cut the AC ground. That's what a lot of people will do. I prefer not to because of the safety aspects of it. So you know what? Mine what? were, mine were already done up for me. Oh yeah? Yeah. So is the AC ground cut or do you actually have the output ground isolated? I, I'm. I'll have to, you know, I'll send James a message, but I'm pretty sure he took them apart and floated the board inside. Okay. Yeah. It was cool. Sweet. I just, yeah. he just told yeah. me, I'm sending you these. Yes. Jesse, did you do that with those Dells? No, I just cut the AC one. Okay. That's and then cool. isolated the power supplies. Yeah, wrap them all up. Yeah. Yeah. Working on that. Hopefully, I'll get those in the charging case this weekend. I also think I finalized on the... I, I think I'm going to get the iCharger 3008 Duo. I think that is pretty much all I need. Not only does it have enough power to charge all of my stuff way faster than what I've been doing on this crappy Hyperion, it's got 1.2 amps of balance current which means that it will balance a whole heck of a lot quicker than my crappy half an amp 
on yeah, the that's a pretty interesting discussion uh, throughout the week. That part of which I will admit you had with yourself. Um, and we all listened. <laughs> oh yeah, I mean, I, I didn't get, I didn't even get a, a nothing, no response in text, dude. Come on, I just kept looking down and seeing like thirty text messages. Like, what is going on? Okay, yeah. so let let me bring the 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 listeners up to speed here. So you guys have probably already figured out that when I try to make decisions, it requires a lot of overthinking research. And analysis. And so we've been going through this whole thing with the charging systems lately. And I've been doing a bunch of math and talking to a bunch of people and researching a bunch of different charters and whatnot. So I finally figure out what I think the lay of the land is. And I proceed to text Nick and Jesse and Dan all these details, kind of, you know, what what was I thinking? Just just writing what was in my head at the time. And yes, they were big texts and there were a few of them. And so at the very end, I'm like thoughts. And it was like text crickets. Nothing. In fact, I don't think there was another text in that string of, of texts for There's another day or two. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten unanswered texts in a row. I think you'd get the hint after a while. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm also going to quote my favorite one, which was only two texts prior to that after another string when you were asking, well, this, but I'm not sure about this, and then I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do that. You remember what I responded to you with? No, I don't. In parentheses, like the little female computer animated voice, like the digitized voice. Uh, yep. <laughs> yeah. We're sorry, but our system shows that you have exceeded the maximum allowable question count for this topic. Please press one to select another topic for inquiry. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Now I do remember that. Uh, yeah. You guys were killing me, though. You didn't. We you love didn't... you, man. <laughs> no answer whatsoever. So, yeah, you're right. No one helped me on that one. I just came to the conclusion that I'm going to get a 308. Are you sure? So, um, you sure? Yeah, I'm pretty damn sure. Pretty damn sure. <laughs> uh, I'm pretty damn sure. About 100%, 90. Pull the trigger, dude. You Just do know, it. No, I'm going to say it's about 95%, Jesse. Uh, I think that balance current thing was actually a pretty big deal that I was not aware of. That plays a really, really large role in the overall charge time. You know, we get so caught up in why well, I can charge at 5C or 4C or 3C or whatever, but the majority. Mm -hmm. You know, your your actual charging is maybe only what seventy percent of the time. Well, I mean, what you it, do you is get if up you to like a five C rate, you 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 know to to get a feel for it. If you want to see how how well your charger does it, you know there are two phases of the charge. There's the constant current phase where it's charging all of the cells up to or close to full voltage. And then there's the constant voltage phase where the current starts dropping down from, you know, whatever. If you set it at 30 amps, it drops down slowly to five to two to one, so on and so forth. When when you're in that phase, it's that's where it's doing its balancing, a majority of its balancing. And the quicker or the more current that it can add to or remove from an unbalanced cell, the quicker it can do that balancing for you. 
And so the new sort of new generation of balancers out there, or sorry, chargers, tend to have a balance current of between one and one and a quarter amps. It does make a difference. I did also get out and fly today. So it was it's it's raining here. It's been raining for the the last week, week and a half. It's supposed to rain all weekend. I was so frustrated with not being able to fly during the week that I just said, screw it. This is my off Friday. I'm going out to the field and I will sit there all day and put flights in in between the rain. And so that's what I did. Uh, it, it actually didn't rain all that much once I got to the field, but I got about a half dozen flights in today. Switched out the SAB blades for the compass on the Goblin, which made a huge difference, especially on the Castle ESC. So I'm pleased to say I think that the Castle is officially flyable for me at 25 on the gain and with the Compass 700 blades. Also remadened the 7HV with the YGE160 HV speed controller. That thing is pretty awesome as well. Again, part of the the little ESC shootout. I've been simming. Spent most every night this week on the sim for about 30 minutes to an hour. And that as a result today, I busted out full pyro flips at the field for the first time. Nice. Meaning one pyro per half flip. So two total pyros. Sweet. Oh, yeah, man. Awesome. They actually, they feel pretty natural. They feel better, easier, more intuitive than a half pyro flip. Hmm. I still can't do fulls. I'd go straight to doubles. Oh, you never, you never started with fulls? Nope. I tried them for a while. I just never felt right. I just couldn't get it dialed. It was like half pyro flips felt great. And then trying to do the fulls just never, I don't know. They just never felt right. Huh. I always tried to overstir them, over peer them. And, and so I was just after a while, I was like, you know what? Screw this. I'm just going to go straight to doubles. And doubles felt yeah. much more natural. Same yeah, with you, Jesse? Like, yeah, it seems like after a while. I mean, you, I started with the halves. And then same as Nick, kind of skipped the fulls. And then now I only find myself doing like half pair of flips and, you know, more transition type stuff, not just as a maneuver and then it's all doubles for you know for now interesting oh i have one other thing not gonna ask me huh oh yeah go ahead dude elaborate did you uh, did you skip doubles and go straight to triples i'm still on halves <laughs> that's okay <laughs> there's it's are not you a doing race halves now though uh sloppy yeah uh, can you are you doing the full thing both both halves of the half? Both halves of the half, yeah. And they're stuck together? No, or is it like there's half, a, there's stop, a, yeah, half? Yeah, there's a bit of a, a hesitation. Right That's half. okay. Yeah. Hey, man. As long as the hesitation doesn't come from an impact with the ground. No. <laughs> <laughs> I do them about 500 feet in the air. About 500. I think they're halves. They, <laughs> they look like paraflips from where I'm at. You know what I mean? Hey, like that's all that counts, man. <laughs> If you squint really hard and they still look like pyro flips, then they'll <laughs> pass the, the test with the audience. Start stirring. Hey, there's no one else watching me. So if they're pyro flips, if I say they're pyro flips, they're, they're pyro flips. That's right. <laughs> 
So I got one more thing, and this is crappy, man. Terrible, terrible news. I got an email from Contronic Repairs saying they cannot repair my heli jive. Wah, wah, wah. That was a it really is good crash. Completely dead. Completely dead. And so the only way to get a new one is to buy a new one, which is just not going to happen right now. I've got too many other things I'd rather spend my money on in the heli hobby. Ouch. Oh, well. Yeah. Well, what can you say? Except not today. <laughs> it is what it is. <laughs> that does suck, though. <laughs> yeah, that's not. Yeah, that, that blows. So uh, who wants to go next? Uh, how about you, Jesse? What have you been up to this week? And well, in between studying, I did manage to uh, do some heli stuff this week. Not not a ton, but but a little bit. So I I picked up and as we've all been talking about charging cases over the last couple weeks, so I'm kind of I, I can't decide if I want to switch cases or just kind of slowly update mine. So I picked up a iCharger 206B to uh, go right in the middle of my charging case to replace my old Hobby King charger. So nice. got that. Yeah, so got that all put in there. So I'm pretty excited about that. Hey, just be uh, while you're still talking about the charging case. Yep. Are you considering going to these 900 watt power supplies like everybody else? Or are you going to stick with the big I, Dells? We'll see the okay. So Nick texted me the weight, and I don't remember what it was off the top of my head, but it was something like by putting this this smaller eye charger in there and then switching over to those 900 watt power supplies in my same case. I think I would drop like six pounds or something just from switching Dude, out they're my, super lightweight yeah so does that mean you're thinking about doing it or what i'm, I'm definitely thinking about it god but, damn it i got six of those <laughs> dell power supplies sitting <laughs> oh, in my living room jeez that's yeah, like but, a boat anchor <laughs> okay but dude here's the thing though you have a freaking trailer <laughs> yeah it doesn't make a difference how heavy your stuff is i still have Mount to pack that, that shit, shit in wall. and out yeah, but I guess the, the shit thing on is, the wall. <laughs> yeah, dude, is there, make a little tray or a little fold down yeah. charger. Dude, how table. long can those uh, leads come out of there? Does it matter? Does it out of the? Well, how how far away are you talking? Well, like? I'd like you know, fifteen feet. No, 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 no. no, no. <laughs> I want to run oh, it across boy. the field, man. <laughs> I want to park like in the parking lot, like a hundred yards away, and run an extension. No, 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 it's not going to work. I know, I know. Yeah, I, but see, I, I agree that the weight isn't, a, and the, see, the weight's not a huge factor for me. I really don't mind. The thing is, is off two of those power supplies, they're 700 watts a piece. I can't set my eye chargers at 30 amps a piece, and I also don't have anything left over for this little eye charger 206 to charge, you know, warp batteries off of receiver packs and that sort of stuff. So I'm kind of considering it just for the standpoint of getting more wattage in my case. With only still having two power supplies at 24 volts, not having to mess with three going up to 36 and doing all that stuff. Yeah. All right. So, yeah, that that's, I guess that's my reasoning. So definitely considering it. I also went through, I don't know about you guys, but I have the balance extensions on my parallel cables in my charging case. Mm-hmm. And those things seem to break all the time. I can never get them to keep a good connection. and you know, Really? You're constantly grabbing them to unplug. I mean, when you're charging, you know, when you get in like 30 flights in a weekend, yeah, that's, Justin. A, that's a lot of cycles on those. Justin's, no Justin's have never seen. That <laughs> I love how he just threw that out there like it was. <laughs> I mean, I haven't been getting 30 flights in a weekend. I was just throwing a number out there. 
No, so I, I went back through and like, you know, hot glued those all up. So it just made sure everything was secure. So my charging case should be completely ready to go. I have also. The, oh, go, go ahead. ahead. Sorry. I no, go ahead. I was going on to a different. Okay. Well, then let me, then I will butt in. Yeah, I go for it. I found the magic like solution for those because I've, I've, I know exactly what you're talking about. I don't use a parallel board. I use. I'll I go buy like the six way one from Progressive, and then cut it all apart, and then turn it back into just like a two way balance splitter, and then use the other ends to make more. But I've ran into the same thing where the pins get loose. Yeah, in the little plastic housing, and boy, let me yep. tell you, it will make you pee a little bit when you just go to unplug it one day and you pull out all the pins and there's like no white thing on the end of it because <laughs> you really don't want to have to go back through and like figure out which one went where i have a new setup that i've used and have like had zero issues with whatsoever i take the the same balance lead i will actually use a like a medium or a thick ca along the back side of the the white plastic piece and down past the heat shrink onto the wire a little bit. Okay, so I do that. I let that dry. Then I go and I do hot glue around where the wire meets the white plastic case a little bit. And then I go back around and do two more rounds all the way around it with hot glue, like building it up. Yeah. So that now when I grab them to unplug them, I'm just grabbing hot glue and it's putting yeah. all of the pressure on the white plastic thing. But it's like they're it, and I then don't know the when. where the because uh, also the the little wires for the balance connector are also soldered to those little pins. So you want to make sure you get the hot glue past that, too. So yeah, that's what I mean. Exact it's thing. A, yeah. Those multiple passes like build it up as it goes down. Yep. And that's what doing the super glue kind of down down past the heat shrink it almost kind of stiffens it up a little bit right through that area yeah. and we'll just m- kind of more like gradually disperse the stress go ahead sorry yeah, to interrupt, but. no that's like exactly what i did except i use like you know six sticks of hot glue for like eight connectors but <laughs> yeah. it should it should hold i don't see any reason it shouldn't work <laughs> yeah but you know what dude I that's have a actually, lot of hot glue man <laughs> i have cooked a battery parallel charging and having one of those balance connectors go having a loose pin on it and not realizing it because if you always plug the other one in first your charger still realizes six you know a 6s packs hooked up you plug the other one in it doesn't know the difference yep that is the one downfall with parallel charging yep so i overcharged one cell it sucked i agree i've done that too i know it's, it's been a long time the nitro is built Sitting here, not flown, but ready to fly. Oh, dude. You don't, you don't bring that to the show if it hasn't flown? <laughs> dude, it's, Seriously? It's, Look it's, at this guy. It's, like, it's like a baby step, man. It's, it gets a week of flying it. And all, and all of a sudden, he's Mr. 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 Yeah. Poochie the Flyer here. All right. I, I'm done. That's it. <laughs> I'll try again next Jeez. week. If I didn't know any better, I'd say that Justin got a pee-pee extension this week, too. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> testosterone injection. You know what, something. dude? I'm I'm just feeling it. <laughs> I'm feeling it. How about you? And man? apparently Jesse <laughs> isn't because it hasn't flown yet. 
No, I, I, I haven't had any time. Jeez, last so the weather. Did you hear that? Was, Danny was like, uh, I, 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 I did uh, hear. Uh, I did. That's as I was flipping through the deck. I'm like, okay. <laughs> that's kind of how it. you used to sound, Justin. It is. It is exactly. And we can't fly. say that we don't have every single bit of it coming. That's true. That's oh, no. okay. I, that is true. That is that is fine. I have not been flying much <laughs> lately. It is killing me. It sucks. Enough of you. Enough of you already. God. I still have one more thing. Oh Jesus Christ! Really? <laughs> really? Jeez, for real? This was. I was saving the best for last. All right. It in, it involves a uh, compass crashing potentially. Oh well, by all means, Ooh. continue. Oh, there we go. Sir. Please proceed. <laughs> I got a new heli. It's been you know a couple couple weeks ago, but I can finally talk about a new heli that I got. Mm. I've been uh I've been prototyping the 6HV ultimate for probably 3 weeks now I think I've had it. Put about 15 flights on it so far. And like I was saying, I've even put it, you know, I'm going all out on the testing here. I even put it through a crash test. Not on a <laughs> dedication. <laughs> yeah, they you know, they weren't all that thrilled about it. They were thrilled about the results, but you know, not about the actual crash. <laughs> So yeah, I've been uh been flying that so far. I'm really enjoying it. It's actually nice to have 600 size heli back in the fleet. Tons of power. It, I was I was actually really really surprised when I started flying it. Just how fast it was. You just get so used to how floaty a 700 size heli is. You throw up a uh, something with 600 millimeter blades, and it doesn't quite float as much, and it's very quick. So what blades are you flying it on, Jesse? The uh, the compass blades that come and with they're it. they are six hundred. They're not like six twenties or anything six, like that. Six hundreds or six tens. I actually don't remember. I, they're six tens. Are they six tens? Yeah. If they're the okay. same ones that the old six. Yeah, HV yeah. Came. They're just the same. The same ones for the original six HV. So nice. Yeah. When's it gonna be out, dude? Oh man, I don't even know. Yeah, compass time. We compass time, dude. Compass time. I mean, no. does it really? Do I really care now? I mean, I got one. <laughs> it's all that matters. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it doesn't really matter when it comes out now. Yeah, I don't. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, I honestly have, have no idea. We, a couple videos got leaked overseas. We, I mean, we were trying to keep it all quiet for as long as we could. Someone, you know, like a, someone posted up a video, and they, they pretty much let the floodgates open and let everyone start posting and talking and. Uh. So I'm not, I'm not sure what their schedule is. Neither are they, really. Neither are they. We're just kind of, yeah, <laughs> we don't even really know what we're doing. Let's put some blades on it and hope it flies. So. Oh, you, hey, as long as it flies, great. Good. Yeah, so far so good. And uh, that's it. That's so, all I got. Are you sure? I mean, you sure? Mm, we, we can go on, on let, me, let me check. Yep, that's it. <sighs> Finally. Nick. Nothing. What have you been doing, dude? Nothing. You lying piece of shit. I swear to God. You've been flying. Have I? Yeah, you have. <laughs> Someone forgot to tell him. Oh, you haven't? I just I assumed don't remember. you were, because that's what you do. You fly. I Honestly, I I don't think I've heard a single text from I don't Nick think this I week have. You didn't fly saying that he's week? flown yet. Wait a minute. No. So Nick gets the no-fly moniker this week? I got the no-fly this week, dude. It's <sighs> been... Uh, Nick, no-fly. That's got a nice ring to it. Don't you think, Justin? It does roll off the tongue. Nick, no-fly. <laughs> 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 I like it. 
Uh, yeah, no, I I get to no fly. It's been the weather's been bad, and I just have not had the time. What yeah. about uh, are you Nick No Sim? Uh, and Nick No Sim. Oh, dude! I've wow. Question your dedication. So, so really, you're more like <laughs> Nick No Heli. No, no, I nothing. Not, uh, I will. Well, I won't say no, nothing. I have this, and now it's. It's turned from fun to this uh, this stupid ass half marathon. <laughs> oh yeah! yeah, yeah. <laughs> when is that happening, by the way? Uh, I want to say like the eighteenth or nineteenth of October. Dude, please take that little portable audio recorder, and so like you can like kind of give us an update, like right when you first yeah. start, and then like halfway through it, and then right towards the end, so we can just hear the anguish in your voice. Like, I'm on mile five. You know, checking uh, in. There's something actually kind of funny that goes along with that. I found out probably the most defeating news I could possibly find this week, which was that it's not... Somehow I missed the minor detail of the name of it. It's not the Lake Padden Half Marathon. It's the Lake Padden Half Trail Marathon. Oh. (laughs) So that means it's like uh, not on streets. It's up in the mountains. It's 13.1 miles of trail running. Dude. Which is, yeah, which is the equivalent of about 18 to 19 miles. I mean, miles. I love and prefer trail running to street running, but not 13.1 miles of it. And Dude, and now like, you're totally committed to it because everybody knows. Well, know. I know. And I was, you know, I was really excited. I've been focusing on my times and ever uh, since our most awesome web dude, Larry, said that he would, you know, befriend me if I if I got in under two hours. That was my new goal. You know, hey, if I can piss Larry <laughs> off, then I'm going to go for it. <laughs> but it is now switched from, you know, attempting to, attempting to piss Larry off to just, oh, my God, I don't even know if I'll be able to finish this. To hoping you survive it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, walk, take, walking away. Take one of those, uh, take one of those beacons with you. You know, like the snowboarders know. take when they go snowboarding <laughs> in the backcountry. You never yeah, know. So you might fall off a cliff or something. Either that or I'm going to take a six-shooter with one bullet. <laughs> <laughs> I can't take it And anymore. it won't be to signal for help. <laughs> so that has unfortunately, by you know, when you come home from work and you eat dinner with your family, you sit down for a minute, and then you go out and head out and run about 9 o'clock. Get back about ten thirty. There's just mu- not much left yeah. in this old man after that. Uh huh. So. Uh huh. Uh huh. <laughs> oh, dude. It, I, it's. I was fighting you know, for you know us earlier, man. You. Uh, you know. Um, I mean, I feel good, but it's it is what it is. So when so, is when is? Did you tell us already, or did I miss it? When's that happening? Like eighteenth or nineteenth or something like that of October. Oh, dude. So it's not that far away. Yeah. No, I've I've only got a couple more weeks. Please, and, please, and please take the been, audio recorder. Please take. I've it. been missing the sim like really, really bad, and I'm I've been way behind on all of my emails. So everyone that has gotten ignored, um, it's not intentional. I'm just I'm way behind on paperwork. So that's kind of like my my weekend goal for this weekend. Since it looks like it's gonna rain the whole time, if it doesn't, I'm flying. But <laughs> if it does. I'm going to try and get all my paperwork caught up, and uh, then I can kind of start Monday with a clean slate. 
I like nice. it. Nice. Sweet. Sweet, dude. That's about it. That's about it then. Just prepare. That's it. Hmm. That's, that's it. <sighs> I flew. So. Nice. I got that going for me. Which is How much? Nice. <laughs> uh, actually, I only got to fly last weekend. Only one day. Dude. But all day long. Yeah, one day more than me. Yeah. The weather. The whole day, huh? These guys, yeah, so in context here, I mean, Nick and Justin and Jesse, they're all from the Pacific Northwest, way up there in like the Amazon jungle-ish type climate, <laughs> right? Where it rains every day. <laughs> <laughs> and so we were talking before we started recording it's been raining a lot here i mean a lot of rain for us is like the daily average for them they started making fun of me because i told them it's been raining for four days straight it's terrible i don't know how I, is there is it like a high suicide rate over there i mean all that gloomy <laughs> rainy wet weather feels like I, it <laughs> i yeah i don't <laughs> you know not, i think should be i think it affects a lot of people that's for sure yeah well, so I was able to get uh, the weekend in, got the nitro. Remember I told you guys about the servo. Got all that sorted out. Uh, got to fly a shit ton of nitro. God, I love that. I love that nitro. Every time I don't get to fly it for a while, I just so it's just so awesome to go back to it. I've uh, been flying the Goblin quite a bit. Got the KDE motor on there, so I'm starting that process. I was able to finally get some flights in on that. Uh, well, I got a few in the week before, just during the weekday, but I was able to get a ton of flights. And I got to tell you, I noticed the difference. It, it is quite a little motor. And um, it's a funny thing, too, I actually called Nick. Was that, This was last weekend, wasn't it, Nick, when I called you to ask you that mm-hmm. question about the... I called Nick and I, I'm not used to the whole electric thing. And I said, is it, is it reasonable for me to suspect that I can actually tell the difference between these packs that I'm flying? And I swear to God, you could have blindfolded me, randomly put one of the four packs into my heli and said, all right, go fly it. And I could have told you which packs were in the heli without even being able to see them. Huh. I could notice. I noticed the difference. I absolutely noticed the difference, and I, I just uh, I'm convinced of it. But and uh, that was the Gen Zays versus the Pulse, by the way. For those of you who are curious, and I firm believer the Gen Zays packs are better. Just saying. Just interesting. Send the hate mail to yeah. Nick. No, dude, there's, <laughs> there's no hate mail there. It, that's one that we just don't have to. It just they it just, just is what it is. They I mean, just had more. It just had more oomph. I mean, consistently. Anyway. Yep. Oh, no. He's figured out our secret. <laughs> <laughs> I know. <laughs> so I did that, and uh, I mentioned uh, the power supplies. I, of course, I had two of them last week, and I haven't done a damn thing with them. Uh, four more showed up on Wednesday. So now I got six of them. <laughs> I, that's a lot of power, man. Dude, I'm going to charge yeah. some shit is what I'm going to do. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's, that's 3,300 <laughs> watts. Oh, awesome. <laughs> I'm going to build a power supply for Quinn, a buddy of mine, and uh, I'm going to put three on mine. I, Dude, I don't need three because I've only got one 306 charger. <laughs> but it's going to go real fast. It's going <laughs> to be super sweet. Uh, my plan is to get a bigger charger, but that's down the road because I got some plans for some electric helicopters this winter. Yes. Oh, oh yeah. So, yeah. Um, you guys remember Old Blue? 
Yeah. Yeah. I remember yeah. Old Blue. Old Blue's long dead now. Been gone for two months. Rest in peace. I got word today that Old Blue number two is on the way. Should be here in a week and a half. Okay. First is he off, actually blue? You gotta come up with a better name. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Jesse. Well, like is, is it blue? Old. It just sounds like Old Blue took a number two. Well, I still, have, <laughs> I, I still can get a different color. So I can get silver, red, or blue. Dude, get gold. Can't get gold. Oh. Did you just not hear what I just said, Justin? <laughs> <have gold> stuff. <laughs> That's for Nick. Let's get a gold iPhone. Yeah. 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 What color do you guys think should I get? Silver. Really? Yep. Um, yeah. Oh, man, that's tough. Th- Are you either feeling say silver sophisticated? Blue. Never. Definitely not silver, because silver's a sophisticated color. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> yeah, it's the most popular BMW Mercedes color. That's why. It's a true statement. I, I don't know, man. I'm kind of stuck on blue, but maybe I need to come up with a different name Different name for there. No, I, I, I think it can still be blue. Blue would stay in the, you know, in the spirit of old blue. It's just not old. Blue I think silver's better because not- it matches all of your helis. That way, when you're rolling up to the flight line, everything matches. You don't have this blue thing with whatever else you've got hanging off the side. Coming from the dude who wants a gold iPhone. Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> what does that match? <laughs> don't want to know. So anyway, I don't know what color. I, I have to let him know by Monday <laughs> what color I want. I um I was a little undecided. I, I I'm my gut's telling me blue, but anyway. That'll be here. I'm really excited. Dude, wait till you guys. This has like independent suspension, right? 10-inch pneumatic wheels, and it goes three miles an hour faster than Old Blue. Comes Ooh. with a five-point harness and a crash helmet. 180-amp ESC. And, uh, God, four huge-ass batteries, 24-volt, lots of power. Supposed to go nice. like 40 miles on a charge. Don't believe that. <laughs> <laughs> 40 miles on a charge with uh, that's a long way with no t- way with, dude. dude that's what it says but here's the deal 40 miles on a charge on like a perfectly flat paved surface with 10 pounds of payload 10 pounds 10 pounds who the hell who the hell is <laughs> i'm just well, all i'm saying is i don't know so how it'll go 40 it. miles if you walk next to <laughs> yeah, exactly <laughs> what you is can walk your scooter put your water miles. bottle on the seat that you're exactly <laughs> it definitely is going to be better than than the old one so i'm looking forward to that and um yeah it's supposed to rain all weekend uh, don't know what to tell you i'm going to the field i'm gonna go because i got the trailer it's easy for me to get out of the rain Going to try to get a couple of those power supplies built and uh, try to sneak in a few flights between the rain, man. I, that's all, I guess that's all I really have to look forward to. Sucks. The weather sucks. Not happy about the weather. Welcome yeah, it was, to it was winter. 33 here last night. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah, it's dude, about it's ready cooled to start down really quickly here, too. We got snow in Montana last night. Uh, There's snow up in the mountains. I guess... Uh, those of you who are familiar with Montana, West Yellowstone in particular, Butte, Bozeman area, uh, West Yellowstone got like a foot. Uh, Bozeman got like three inches. It's crazy. Too soon. Not even October yet. I know, yeah, that's, that's ridiculous. Speaking <laughs> of that, it was Jesse's birthday recently, wasn't it? And the oh, reason I bring couple, that up. 
a couple of weeks ago. The reason I bring that up because I was going to bring up my birthday and I thought it kind of sounded shitty to not bring up the fact that you just had a birthday. Oh. So yeah. my birthday's coming up in October. What are you guys getting me? Mm. Oh, okay. We can't tell you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's why I was. What kind of question is that? October 12th, man. Columbus Day. Just saying. October 12th. Write this shit down. <laughs> Hold on. You know. <laughs> One moment, please. Columbus Day. We got to get you a compass. <laughs> fits, fits right in with the theme, doesn't it? So that give joke? me one that'll point me to a hobby store so I can get a quality airframe. Oh, Ever. yeah. I'm going to go back to that joke. No. <laughs> I am. That wasn't funny the first I'm gonna time. Keep, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep recycling that one because I love it. Well, I'd like, I'd like to say thank you because I just wrote compass on my calendar <laughs> instead of Dan's birthday. So thanks. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, guys, that's all I've been up to. Looking forward to hopefully getting some flights in. And uh, what do you say? We do a little bit of news. Yeah, news this week. I think we got a little. So Dan, you know I'm I'm getting a little tired of Nick making fun of me carrying my charging stuff around in a cardboard box. I'm looking for something to you know kick it up a notch. You got any suggestions for me? Absolutely, dude. Head over to ProgressiveRC.com, man. They got all kinds of charging accessories there. They got cases. They've got chargers. They've got leads. Anything you could possibly want. And best of all, dude, you can toss that cardboard box aside. Remember, guys, that's ProgressiveRC.com. They got what you need. All righty, guys. This week's news is brought to you by HeliDaily.com, your daily RC helicopter news magazine. Nick, what do you got? Okay, so for those interested in the new Goblin 700 competition. Uh, we've actually got some build pictures out now. There is a team pilot, Ron Efrit or Efrit. Uh, I don't know how to pronounce it. Oh, geez. Uh, whatever. It's our thing. Uh, I like Efrit. Efrit. That's fine. Let's uh, do who it. did some really, really good, clean, detailed, very specific build pictures. Um, so we've got a link up for that. Uh, it, it's great. I mean, this is just, you know, Joe Schmo putting this thing together. The pictures are really high quality. So I think it's a good opportunity to, um, for, you know, for those of you, maybe you've got a goblin or you're looking to get the new competition to see the differences between the first version and the second version. Uh, so a line has put out, God, I love their naming. It just makes my day. <laughs> this is the new T-Rex 700 Nitro DFC Frame Shapely Stiffener. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe that guy has not gotten fired yet. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I mean, it's a different job. Put him somewhere. Frame Shapely <laughs> Stiffener? Back to the shipping department for this guy. Yeah, uh, yeah so uh, apparently the one major design flaw... Uh, that was found with the Nitro DFC was the frame uh, kind of in between the the clutch and the lower auto, the auto rotation drive gear was very very narrow there and to the point where they were braking just because they were braking during assembly I mean it was really thin um, it, it didn't seem to cause any problems because there was plenty of bracing all around it uh, but it was just cheesy i mean that's 
Not cool. I, I love that they're they're bringing out bling to fix like gross errors in design. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh no. There's. This is. It says T like, Rex seven hundred N frame shapely stiffer. Not only, <laughs> not only effectively increase the torsional strength of mainframe, but also subtly bring the T-Rex 700N stylish and metal beauty. <laughs> Covered up that cracked frame. It's not a frame <laughs> stiffener, dude. It's oh, a frame it's a stiffer. stiffer. That's <laughs> right. It's a stiffer, dude. These guys are, they, they get the tool award. I mean, Seriously. Someone needs to proof that shit before they release it. You know what? I love it, though. And I (laughs) I encourage it because, I mean, what else would we laugh at if it wasn't for a line? Could you imagine Justin letting us get away with that kind of stuff when we submit shit to him for review? Oh, God, he (laughs) he would berate us. It it wouldn't. It would never happen, man. (laughs) Uh, So, uh, in addition... Uh, speaking about SAB, KDE has came out with, and I don't know if you guys saw this. Did you see this? The battery tray thing? Yep. I have seen some impressive works of CNC. This one is impressive. Patrick at KDE, they drew up and created a battery tray system. This is not just, this is nothing in comparison to like the, the Goblin 700 one. This is an entire rear frame support, lower bottom plate, ESC mount, chili dog, all in one. (laughs) I mean, it's got to turn the entire bottom end of this heli into a tank. Yeah, dude, it's got to stiffen it up. Yeah, and I I don't mean tank as in heavy. I mean tank as in a good way. Uh, They went very minimal on, you know, the amount of metal, just looking at it. It definitely looks very lightweight. I'd love to be able to really, you know, compare weights, but this brings the same sliding battery tray uh, that you can get for the Goblin 700 into the 500. Uh, It's got the spring-loaded or the spring steel on the catch release. It's worked great in the 700. Uh, This is impressive. I mean, this is a this is a feat of machining. Yeah, that is awesome. Um. Uh, I, I don't know. I don't see a price out yet. I, I don't think you can even get it yet. But you um, can pre-order it. Yeah, it looks like a and ten percent off. For, and oh, the pre-order is already sold out. Oh yeah, dude. This is just like <laughs> this is so cool. I it mean, is, this is a pretty impressive piece of aluminum. I this mean, this is bling function and just like. Here's the King Chachanga all in one. <laughs> guess guess what home homeboy's buying this week? <laughs> yeah. Oh dude. yeah. Ooh. I I don't blame you. I don't blame you one bit because this this is just cool. I'm get in line. Cool. Yeah. No kidding. That's all right. Uh, they also I came got out all winter. With, oh, all winter. That's right. <laughs> um, he also came out with a new motor mount setup. In their typical awesome adjustable motor mount fashion for the T-Rex 450L series. Um, for me, the KDE motor mounts are they're just a must. A- an absolute must. I want to be in control of my gear mesh. And they give you just... It's it's dead on. Gotta love it. Um, they also have out... Let's see. So what do we got going here? Oh, they've got a 6S motor. What? Sorry, I'm. 
<laughs> Bear Nick, with me. Nick's just learning about this now, guys. <laughs> I, I apparently I missed the motor one. I'd look through everything else, but okay. So we have got a six S, four fifty XF, seventeen fifty HP brushless motor. Awesome. There you go. Dude, that's rad. He's had KD's had great luck with like the uh the six hundred XF. Super popular. Um, 600 class motor. This is fantastic. So that's awesome. And also, I know a lot of people might not know this, but KDE also does a lot of OEM manufacturing for other companies as well. I know he does some work for like uh, Ralph at Flybarless Rotors. Uh, they got a Synergy uh, 90-degree bell crank arm for the tail coming out soon. And that's done at KDE. So... You know, hey, maybe uh, you're a manufacturer or you're an aftermarket company and you need some help on the CNC end. KDE work is absolutely fantastic. I'm still staring at this goblin tray, dude. <laughs> I swear to God. That is, that it, is, it, it's an impressive piece of engineering, that's for sure. I just want to hold it. I, I mean, I'd literally, I literally, and that's hold it. all hogged out of a single piece of aluminum. Yeah, that's that the impressive is awesome. Part. Ugh. Ugh. Okay, Give me I'm a, good. I need a minute. Hang on a second. Um, this, you know, there's. It's not often I come across videos that are just like, "Wow, okay, this is pretty cool." But there's a Gowie X3 promo video. Out oh yeah, that was done fantastically. I, I watched it. Very, very cool to see. I don't know why, and here's the f- the free marketing tip of the day. I don't know why every manufacturer does not do videos like this. I agree, the dude. They nailed this. because I mean, every aspect of it is awesome. Well, okay. I did see one little hitch. Okay. The one tail boom support rod that was vibrating throughout the whole yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, I did notice that. You're right. I did notice that. <laughs> Has nothing to do with the video. Nope. Um, but it does have to do with that tail vibration they couldn't figure out. But uh, no, no, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> kidding. Uh, no, very, very, very well-made video. And, you know, these are the types of videos that need to be out there because you look at this, you watch it, and you go, I want that heli. I, dude, That's a, I've watched it like five times already, and I'm like, yeah, I was thinking about the warp, but I think it's the X3 for me. I think you should. Just I, I because really it can fly yeah, slow it. motion next to a butterfly <laughs> and through and through <laughs> a, a, a waterfall. Well, you let me know how that works out. Yeah. Dude, if wow. you go to you go to. So, OK, let's let's just talk a little bit about this. Because it's pretty artistic. Go to 120. No, 118 elapsed in the video. I don't know why, but those little like flower bud plant prickly things, they just they do it for me. It it makes the video. They fascinate you, huh? Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. They did a really good job. Great job. I love I just love seeing artistic videos like this. It's cool. And that's that wraps up my news. Anybody else got any news? No news here. Crickets. None here. 
Alrighty guys, this week's news has been brought to you by HeliDaily.com, your daily RC helicopter news magazine. I have to admit that now that I've had my goblin for a couple months, it's really kind of starting to grow on me. With the exception of one thing, loading the batteries. The guys at KDE, they addressed this issue. They made a removable battery tray. If you've got a Goblin, this is your number one must-have upgrade. That sounds good, Nick. And if you're interested in any of the other upgrades that KDE has, visit their webpage at www.kdedirect.com. So we're going to get right into it because, man, do we have a lot of stuff to cover in a short amount of time. We've got interview. We've got a review. We've got some gas-powered thought stuff. What do you think, Nick? You ready to do the review right now? Let's do it. Yeah, let's, let's, let's just do it. let's just do it. Everybody's been waiting for Absolutely. this. Absolutely. First off, I want to give a huge thanks to Stephen Petroto and Kim Payne from Horizon Hobby. Uh, they were kind enough to pull the strings to make it happen uh, for us to get the Blade Seven Hundred X combo kit to do a review on. It was. It did not go easy. We had a huge. FedEx fiasco, and I I wanted to bring this up because to me this really says a lot. You know, we're just a we're just a bunch of Joe Schmoes here in comparison to Horizon Hobby, and you know, for them to to give us the opportunity to to review this kit is tremendous, and then on top of that, to have FedEx lose that kit, and I don't know if they ever got it back or not pretty much write it off and then go ahead and send out another one. That to me really says a lot about horizon. That just, that sucks big time. So thank you to those guys. I also want to give a huge shout out to a good friend of mine, horizon team pilot. It's a He was kind of like who I used as my bounce things off of, you know how, when you're building something, it's like, okay, Hey dude, uh, just noticed this, correct? Yeah, no, yeah, awesome. He played a very neutral role in the whole thing, which I told him I don't want to hear your opinions. I just want to make sure, yes or no, this is the way that it's supposed to be because I wanted this review to be as accurate as possible. So big thanks to all of those people for making this happen. Let's get down to the dirty, the whole combo kit. I mean, this includes the Blade 700X airframe, the Revolution Flybarless 690 mains, the Revolution 115 tails, the Spectrum H6200 cyclic servos, the Spectrum H6210 tail servo, the E-Flight 700 520kV motor, the AR7200BX flybarless system, and a single-spectrum DSMX satellite. Electronics-wise, I wanted to bring up the servos. 0.06 at 7.4 volts on the cyclic. Nice. That's fast. Yeah, that's good. That's real fast. The tail, 0.03 on high voltage. Crazy fast. <laughs> These are the servos that we had discussed uh, back in the day when we first saw them that have the clip-in servo connectors on them. Oh, nice. Ah. And remember when I said that if these, if the connection worked, 
it would be a game changer. Well, I can tell you they nailed it with the connection. That's the first thing I did. I took all this out of the box and went, ooh, look at that. Plugged the wires in it and started <laughs> wiggling and tugging and yanking and pulling. And I am very impressed. They have a very, very thick coating surrounding the servo leads on these. It's not a traditional servo wire. Um, it's actually kind of like a black encased um, sheathing over all of this. Not not a wire loom type, but an actual kind of rubberish uh, mm-hmm. material. It, it, it's good and bad. It's fantastic because it protects the wires. It allows you to you know crank down on zip ties, that sort of a thing. It really does protect the wires. The only thing that I don't care for is they went pretty much all the way to the servo ends with it. What I notice is this tends to bunch up. It is really hard to hide, fold, secure a whole bunch of really thick wire. And by the time you got done doing four servos, it did get a little bit cumbersome. Cool part is, if you are careful, I left the sheathing on for the majority of all the wires where I routed them. Mm-hmm. and secured them all down. And then once I was finished securing them, then I went ahead and, and took off a little bit of that sheathing, put a little bit of heat shrink back over that, shrunk it back down to give it a little bit of strain relief right there at the edge, and then secured the remainder of that wire, which which just made for a lot smaller of a package. So that's really cool. It, it keeps the vibration transfer down on the fly barless system, being able to go into it with a thinner, lighter wire, uh, but yet you still get the, um, you know, the protection feature of that. So I wanted to make sure and bring that up. Um, let's see. Boy, well, starting with the head, the, hey, you know. Nick, it's a, let me interrupt you real quick. I have one question about those those connectors. Yeah, yeah, you bet. Are those, do those connect in a similar fashion to what, like, maybe an Ethernet uh, cable connects to your yes, computer? Yes, it has a little catch tab type thing so they're good and secure in there like that oh yeah no they're oh, not it's like out. an actual oh, clip then yep nice oh wow yep. yeah i really really like it like it just it just works it, it makes for a little bit you know if you're used to it, it takes a little bit getting used to that round wire now instead of the flat you know so running the wires can be a little bit trickier because it, it is just a little bit more cumbersome, but I feel that it's worth it because it's it's so much more protected and secure. Uh, the other cool part is if you kick a wire in a, in a crash, you know, if you rip one out, you slip with your X-Acto knife, all of the dumb things that we've all done, you just buy a new wire, <laughs> uh, which is... It, which is nice. There's no sending them back in. Huh. One more question. I, I sense that. Could you, is it, can you make your own, like those leads, can you use the, the traditional crimper and make, can you resize those wires? Yes, okay. you can. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Yep, you bet. And I, uh, to be honest, I did that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I did. I, I went ahead and trimmed the ends off. I trimmed the black sheathing down. Again, I left the majority of it on there. But right after I secured it for the last point, I zip tied it down tight there. I always do a little bit of Velcro and then zip tie down over the Velcro and then leave my, you know, say, inch and a half to two inches of just plain normal wire that goes into the fly barless system. I shorten the wires to that length. 
And once I did that, it was like, okay, now this is perfect. Like this is ideal because I'm I'm still protected, yet I'm getting all the benefits of a, a normal standard servo wire. On to the head. Fit and finish wise, it's great. You know, a couple little teeny spots where, I mean, just very, very, very light cosmetic stuff, you know, like like tapping marks. But, man, all in all, I'm really happy with it. You know, as Justin went over, and I'm, I'm super glad we got an opportunity. Thank you, Justin, for for going through the hard numbers on the, the spindle bolt size. Mm-hmm. Um, so we kind of checked that out of the way. One thing that I really, I like a standard swash driver style head. I think they fly better. I think they're just the best all around design. This has that. Um, another cool feature is that it's actually a double Jesus bolt design, which I really like that too. Takes the stress off of a single Jesus bolt. You don't worry about snapping the head and the other side of the Jesus bolt off in the crash and trying to drive it out of the main shaft and, you know, hogging out the inside of the head block. Uh, the links are super beefy in this. I had no need to size them, but yet they felt very, very firm. Blade has a real big advantage in my mind. They have got an art form to their plastic. Because, I mean, hey, why lie? They <laughs> came from a very but big history. Yeah, that's what they do, right? Well, you could really tell that they've got a really good expertise because the plastic, the quality and the precision in the plastic on this heli was very, very impressive. And, and that showed in the links. I like the ball links, and I'm very picky about my ball links. I've had some helis that were kind of sketchy, and even if even if you never have a problem in the air, you're just like, yeah, I just don't really care for it. Well... This worked out really well. The swash driver arms, uh, you know, very standard. They've got a pin in them. Had a little bit of play. Not too bad. Not anything that I'm ready to, you know, complain over. I would personally like to see it tightened up just a hair. I'll get into the servo geometry in a minute, which they absolutely just freaking nailed. I would like to see that tightened up just a little bit to really reap all of the benefits of the geometry on the servo layout on this heli in the way that it flies. As far as the head's concerned, no real complaints. It looks great. Uh, the finish is great. It looks like you could slap it on any competitive company that's been doing this for quite some time. Experienced cosmetically, it's fantastic. Sweet. Frame layout, very simple. That is the trend. All of the heli manufacturers are getting away from overcomplicated crap. Um, we've seen it in numerous other helis. They nailed it here. Very simple, minimalist. That is what this heli is all about. No need to overcomplicate everything. But let's be honest. The, the person who is really going to go for this is your, you know, I would say beginning 700 class pilot, right? Like maybe this is their first 700 class heli. Or an intermediate level. I don't think that Blade is really trying to target competition guys and trying to pull them away from their other brands to, you know, to go out and purchase with their own money this helicopter. But they went very simple on it. Servo layout, there was a lot of thought put into this. It, the way that it's all laid out uh, with the servo standing up, the arms, I mean, it, it keeps, it's hard to really describe in the words. It's just, it's easier to see, but it keeps the geometry 
as neutral as possible with the least amount of interactions as possible. And I really, really like that. Um, one of the other things while we're, while we're talking about the servo layout, the servo arms that are included in this kit, they've actually done what's called a captured ball style. So it's a specific arm that they do provide you, which I absolutely freaking love because I hate spending 900 bucks or 1000 bucks on an airframe getting this thing all done and now I got to go shop around to find you know this magic combination of servo arms that have the right ball hole length in them and everything and where do you get them I mean why when I buy something over here do I then have to go to like Ready Heli to buy Mikado arms because they're the ones that are good for this heli and get the right geometry that's that's dumb Blade did it right here they included their servo arms the ball is actually captured in a fork on the end of the servo arm. So the links cannot pop off the servo arms. It's just so freaking cool. I mean, I huh. can't even... It, it, it's just, it's awesome. A, you're not going to lose them in a crash, which is really, really cool. And B, because they provide the servo arms, when you're ordering your parts in a crash... If they have blade parts, they're going to have the servo arms, so you can order everything right there. I like that. I really, really like that. Battery tray layout. It's got like a plastic latching system on it, so it hooks in the back, kind of uh, catch as you slide it in. It hooks into the rear of the tray. You push down in the front, and uh, kind of like two forked fingers latch around um, a crossbar on the frame. My first thought when I saw it was, oh, my God, I can't believe they made this out of plastic, right? This is a battery. There's a lot of weight to this. Made me a little bit nervous. Once I put it together, completely changed my mind. This goes back to their big advantage uh, being Blade and that they know plastic. No, no question. This is a sweet design. Loading and unloading the packs, nailed it. Very, very easy. Only thing with the battery thing that was a bit of a surprise and I'm not a huge, huge fan of is that this heli is really designed around long, skinny packs. So, like, for instance, the Gen's Ace, the 5300s, the, the shorter, taller pack, mm -hmm. they will not fit. No way, if, ands, or oh. buts. Okay, they so let not. me ask you this, though. And, mate, you're going to get to this, I'm sure, in the flight performance side, but... Do you feel like after you've flown it that you need bigger packs? No. Okay. No, but I'll get to that. <laughs> yeah, no. And, and you can still fit. It's just uh it's just that, you know, that style of packs. So right. Gen's Ace, Glacier, Spider, all of those Gen's Ace and Gen's Ace knockoff brands. <laughs> yeah, I said it. <laughs> um, batteries. They will not fit. You can drop down to like the Gen's Ace 4400s, I do believe. They're a long, skinny pack. Pulse packs, Thunder Powers. I know a lot of the guys are flying Thunder Powers in them. All of those work. They work great. There's plenty of room for that style of pack on there. Pinion support bearing, it's got it kind of integrated into the motor mount. At first, I was like, yeah, yeah, I'm just kind of okay with that. But, dude, I, I got to tell you, for adjustment purposes... It's simple. And again, it goes back to the whole theme on what they were trying to do with this heli, which is keep it as simple as possible. It made uh, 
the lash adjusting on the main gear very easy very intuitive not trying to you know trying to worry about okay well do i have this loose enough and that loose enough it's just like setting normal gear mesh which by the way oh my god on the main gear awesome 15 millimeter thick main gear nice helical cut it is huge this is such an awesome thing to see like ain't no one upgrade no main gear on this heli let's just say that you are gonna buy it you're gonna run it and you're gonna put whatever motor in front of it you want to if you you know like if you don't go with the combo kit and there's not an issue here uh the stock ratio is 10.1 to 1 which i love it kind of rounds out that uh what we have been you know jesse and justin and we've been experiencing with this normal head speed right a little bit of bigger pitch Mm -hmm. yeah this is perfect for that Especially, I mean, now they've included the 700 motor as a 520 kV motor. But for the guys that might just be interested in the airframe, maybe you've got your big, I mean, hey, why lie? You know, those of us running the ultimate motors, right? Super, super popular. Oh, yeah. Drop it in. This puts you in the sweet spot for what I believe is the ideal head speed range. And then they put this monster main gear in there to make sure that it can handle all that power and run big pitch on that head speed. So I love it. I love everything about that setup. I like that it's just, you know, it's a 13-tooth pinion. So anytime you can increase your pinion tooth count, you're going to get more contact area, and it's going to run smoother and quieter. And I really, really like that. You know, as far as... Everything in the mainframe I really like. They give you two they give you two gyro tray options. One that goes in the rear up above the tail, uh, the tail boom block, one that's in the front kind of below the ESC tray. Uh, they're definitely very convenient, uh, you know, for different options for mounting your fly wireless system. The wiring on this heli is uh, you know, it's not bad, but there's not a lot of room for components. So it really kind of depends on your setup. For for the combo kit, it works out great. You've got the 7200BX on the back, so you have your receiver built into it. Satellite comes off the side. You basically end up with an extra tray in the front. I decided to play Russian roulette, and I went ahead and put a Castle BEC on it. I mean, why not? My goal was to run components that I felt that someone who would be buying this combo kit would be running. Uh, so I, I ran a Castle 160HV ESC on it and a Castle BEC on it. BEC mounted on the front gyro tray. Fit great. Worked out great. 160 sat on the front. It made for some very clean wiring on the front of the heli. Again, the back got a little bit kind of jumbled. I I played it safe and added a, uh, a Scorpion backup guard, which was just my personal preference because <laughs> I've had such sketchy luck with BECs in the past, Um, you know, and founding places to mount that stuff can get a little bit tricky. I've wired way worse. I've wired way better. So I'm just going to call it acceptable and moderate on that. Um, No no real big complaints. Uh, One-piece landing gear kind of is a blade thing. At first, I was like, yeah, looks a little cheesy. Okay. I was kind of put off by it, and then I went out, 
and just pounded the tar out of it and didn't have a single issue and happened to do a flight like right after that uh, with my DFC and I'm sitting here. Some of you guys know, you know, the bottom of my plastic <laughs> skids on my DFC are worn completely off from our fun fly. <laughs> so my skid tubes turn sideways. <laughs> uh and as I'm putting that thing up in the air and I see one skid tube like pointing down and hanging down and the other's kind of going off this way, I had a little bit of a revelation about that one-piece landing gear. And I went, you know, I'm going to take my comment back about the cheese thing. You don't have issues like that. You do, you just, if you break a landing skid, if you break your gear in a crash, you buy one piece of gear. Yep. Simple. Huh. Done. Yep. No That's left true. side. No right side, no three individual pieces, uh, no screws at the bottom to forget to put in, put out, no tubes to turn sideways, no nothing. Two bolts holds everything on. Again, goes back to that simplicity thing. They did it with the plastic. The quality's good. I have no issue with it. I know it might be a put off to some people, but, uh, you know, I, I like it. I think it. I think it really works for this helicopter. Heading back to the tail, uh, they did a fantastic job on a one-piece tail box. The gearing in the back, I really like. They, you know, they did something that that not many people do anymore. But I am personally a really big advocate for this. So the way they do it is, you take your you take your actual plastic gear, like your tail output shaft gear, and you slide it on the tail output shaft. There's a pin that runs all the way through the gear. Through, through the gear, the shaft, and then out the other side of the gear. And then actually a small set screw or grub screw goes down in the end of the hollow shaft, screw it all the way in, you tighten it against that pin, the pin doesn't come out. It seems at first like, well, okay, you know, like a line, you know, or, or many other people or the, a lot of the smaller helis, they just mold the gear on there. At first, I was like, wow, I'm surprised that they didn't just go ahead and mold the gear. Well, A, you you have to have a removable gear to do a one-piece tailbox design. And B, I have replaced a fair amount of tail drive gears with output shafts and or front tra tail transmission gears, same deal, where the shafts were perfectly fine, but the gears got stripped during a crash. And so I kind of take it back. I like this. I like that I can just buy gears or just buy a shaft. You know, you, you toe pick the thing, you drive it in on the tail, all the gears are fine and the shaft's bent, then guess what? You just go buy a shaft instead. You can keep, it, it makes it the process a lot more inexpensive for the user for crashes because you're not replacing stuff that you really don't need. I did have one thing that I noticed on the backlash on the torque tube gears. Um, it was more prominent on the rear than it was in the front, but I did notice it on the front. I think that it is not, it's not quite correct. Easily fixable. And, and what I'm going to do is, you know, you guys will hear me kind of throughout the review talk about stuff that I wasn't, you know, may, maybe it wasn't the uh, ideal for me. I have gone through and done a, a lot of fixes on this on these small things. I'm not going to get into those specifics on the review. Those will be in our tech tips on the website. So you can find all those there. Because what I really wanted to do was fly this thing exactly was it, as it was intended, straight out of the box, their instructions, their setup. 
Um, so I did go ahead and fly it like this. Did not have any issues with it, but I felt that the gear lash on the on the tail and on the front tail drive transmission was loose on both. The backlash was not quite correct. The torque tube gear actually needs to be scooted out of the tailbox a little bit more and in closer to that. Give you guys a little tip, though. One of the main shaft spacers works absolutely fantastic. You just slide that <laughs> right over the torque tube gear, <laughs> pop it right back in, done. Good to go. Easy, easy fix. But I'm not supposed to say that. Um, the The torque tube itself, the splines are just, uh, they're a tad loose in the actual torque tube gears. I, it was something that I noticed, again, didn't cause any issues. And that's kind of the name of the game. You know, I'm really picking this apart. But just because I noticed it and it's not the exact way that I would have personally done it doesn't mean that it doesn't fly perfectly acceptable. Uh, one thing that I really, really like is, you know, this thing as I do believe it's a 4.2 to 1. 4.2 or 4.3. Pardon me, I don't have that spec in front of me. Uh, tail ratio on this. So they run 115, 115 millimeter blade stock. I like that concept. I like the, the slower RPM. You're still gaining a lot of tail authority out of the 115 blades. And holy cow, Marvel idea, they actually size the tail fin properly for 115s. Yay. Oh, that's good. <laughs> So uh, you yeah, mean I you're know. not like within millimeters of busting a tail blade when it sits on level ground? Yeah, thank you. Wow. One company has finally done this <laughs> properly where they make the tail fin long enough. So great work on that. You know, as far as the, the tail grips, output shaft portion of it, slider portion, it's all, you know, pretty standard. Fit and finish, absolutely perfect. No issues there. There's one little thing left to talk about and this has been you know i i make a point when we do a review like this not to dig into the to the dirtiness of the forums because you can get a you know kind of a skewed view uh, but i had heard about this through the grapevine taking this all out of the box i i did notice this the the 90 degree tail arm back there it, it's a little bit on the weak side it's a little soft I think it could pr probably use a you know a remake in my opinion. It is plastic. I'm perfectly okay with the plastic. Uh, it just seemed a little bit bendy. How about that? Now, what I want to make very very clear, just because I do not personally feel that that is stiff enough in my opinion, I went out and beat the tar out of this through every ugly. And when I say ugly, I can't even tell you how ugly reversals mine are <laughs> at it <laughs> not clean bad gov game settings bad stop game settings tail chattering you name it the whole deal at this and did not have any issue with it so i want to make that very very clear do i think that it could use a version two of that specific part yes i do however i don't think that it should deter you I did, after I did all the initial flights on this heli in the in the stock farm, go back and do one little modification to it. Again, not going to tell you about it. Go on our tech tips. You'll see what I did. But I had absolutely no issues with anything in the tail in stock form. It all, it all worked great in flight. No question. One other thing that's really cool. They went up to a 23 
millimeter boom diameter. This, for me, is actually a really big deal. I feel that this is an extremely smart move on their part. We've seen a lot of, you know, you hear about the tail booms breaking at the back of the boom clamp. I'm just not a big fan of what a lot of people have standardized at the 21 or 21 and a half millimeter boom size. I really like that they went up in boom size. It reduces stress on you know, not only on the boom itself, but on your boom supports, you know, all of those things vibrating loose and you know all of those good deals that we've been through with other brands. I don't feel that you're going to have that problem here. Again, because of that larger boom diameter, it's just a smart way to go. Canopy in use. Uh, the finish on the canopy really wasn't that bad at all. It was actually really nice. I love the shape of this canopy. I, I really like how it wraps around the back of the head. Now, not this is not blades fall. Any canopy that wraps around the back of the head tends to be a little bit more of a pain to slip on and off. You kind of have to weasel it, and I did notice that. Um, it, the way that they have this is they have standard canopy mounts in the back behind the main shaft, but in the front, the canopy just slides kind of underneath the frame, and, and that's there, there's really no way to secure it in the front. It's just held on with the back. Mine did rattle a little bit in the stock form. Uh, I, I would prefer to see a set of mounts in the front, although there is, again... There's no way that this thing can come off. It's not going to flip up or anything like that. It's it's very secure from coming off. I just had a little bit of looseness in the front of the canopy. Color-wise, this is probably the most awesome set of colors I've ever flown in the air. And that says a lot because I've had a lot of different canopies because I've crashed a lot of canopies. <laughs> this color scheme, it stands out amazing in all lighting conditions. It has been one of the few that I love flying these colors in overcast skies. And I, I didn't see that coming. I, I had not expected that. But the second I pulled the canopy out of the box, I was like, dude, very nice. So I like everything else about that. Packs, you know, just regular flying, you know, pulling the canopy off, flying, loading packs, going back in. The packs load easy yeah really no issues there it's not a big song and dance to get anything on like us uh <clears throat> goblin owners no uh it's it's very simple <laughs> it's they they're they put a lot of thought into making this helicopter as user-friendly as plug and play and you know just simply put packs in fly go now, before I get to the actual flight performance, I want to bring up the manual. The manual... Oh, man. <laughs> this, is a, this is a hard one to say. Here it comes. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Uh, the manual blows. It does. Man, I hate to say that. There's a, some small things that were actually like parts that were just not in the manual but that are supposed to go on the helicopter. If you have, for me, was it a big deal? No, it wasn't a big deal. I got through the build just fine. It was more of a chuckle than anything. If you don't have a lot of build experience, and maybe this is, well, I guess if you don't have a lot of build experience, it scares me that you're building a 700. 
<laughs> so they've got they've got that going for them there. But there's you know I it needs the manual needs to be gone back through. It looks rushed to me. And uh, Justin, I know you are going to take offense to this. I'm going to apologize ahead of time. Jesse, I don't know if you're going to take offense to this or not. The manual seems to be written by an engineer. Yeah, that not. is pretty offensive. <laughs> well, and, and let me explain. Not by a hobbyist. And I think that the pictures need to come from the engineering department. But I think that manuals and the flow in which you build a helicopter uh, should be put together and assembled in appropriate order by a hobbyist, by someone who builds helis and wires them and assembles them. Because I've, you know, the way that I build has has drastically changed over the years. You know, the the stuff that I put in first and and the order in which I put everything together and laid out is completely different now than it was even a year ago as I've gotten more experience. And I would really like to see that experience portrayed in the manual. They, you know, especially in the mainframe section, they have you, you know, putting frame sides on with, you know, with basically with just the bearing blocks in there. It's like, wait, wait a minute, you know, we can go through and mount the ESC on the tray and we can get a lot of this stuff laid in there all ready to go and then just pop a frame side on, you know? You can you can have almost all of your wiring done before you pop that other frame side on. And I've seen a lot of other manuals done like that. And to me, that is that is written by a hobbyist, not just piece A goes here, put piece A here over piece B. So so that's kind of what I saw. Is it there enough to to get the job done? Yes, absolutely. It is. But I think for the target, you know, for the media that they're going for with this helicopter, you know, the whole the the purpose of this is that it's going to be in stock in hobby shops, and you're going to be able to get, you know, not only local parts support but local heli support. Be able to go into your hobby shop and ask questions, and this probably will be a fair amount of people's first 700 class heli. You know, it's like, oh man, I've got my blade 450. I, I got the 550. Oh my gosh, this thing's awesome. Should I do it? Should I go for the 700? And those are going to be, you know, I think that's who they're really targeting. And I would like to see a manual that is very, very catered to that, you know, two year in the hobby pilot. So I think they've got some work to do there. Maiden. All right. Enough of that whole build stuff. Smooth. Dude, it's smooth. <laughs> I mean, very, very smooth. Stability is just, it's its ridiculous that, you know, the 7200BX, it is plug and play. Dan, I know you know this. You've flown, flown the B-Stacks for many years. We've all flown it at some point. Yep. It is plug and play. It makes sense to put it with this heli. Just very uneventful. And let me tell you on Maidens, I like uneventful. The only thing that I did, and this is kind of funny more than anything, I put it up into a hover, kind of gave it the typical pitch pump, checked the rates on it and everything, uh, was pretty comfortable with it. So I just started to fly it and kind of, you know, stretch it out a little bit. I actually brought it back in and landed it because I was concerned about a noise. And I was quite stumped on this noise. That noise turned out to be the blades. <laughs> like... Huh. No, no, not stickers on the blades, not anything else. 
just the blades. Yep. Not a big fan. Are they... Do they fly okay? Yeah. I don't have a problem particularly with the way that they fly, but they have a very, very unique, mildly unsettling sound to them. They're kit blades. They're combo kit blades. I I think that's kind of expected, so that's why I'm not too overly worried about it. They're not blades that you have to, like, count on, okay, when I buy this kit... You know, great. Now I got to buy new blades when I buy the kit. No, they're that, a backup set of blades, and I can I say this because I've flown them before myself. They're they'll get the job done in a pinch, but that's not what you're going to want to fly as your main set. Yeah, and I I think for the average, you know, but I think for the average person that they'll they'll be okay. You know, I I felt the same way me personally about like the Align blades in their kits. They were great backup blades but i didn't particularly want to fly them as my primary blade mm-hmm. you um but yeah so once i got that figured out it made me feel a lot better you know i really enjoyed flying it most of you know i'm a futaba guy so it was the change to go back to a different radio and then i'm going to a different fly barless system so that did kind of feel you know a little bit weird the tracking dead on no wobbles I mean, this thing, it's very, very, very locked in in the air. One thing that was uh, just I was tickled happy about was very impressed with the E-Flight motor. That was one that really shocked me. I actually logged a continuous, like, 4,900 watts continuous in a hurricane with this, which... I mean that automatically. I've I know what maxing out like a 750 MX motor feels like. It's got way more power than a 750 MX. I can't tell you that it's got like you know 45, 25 ultimate power, but it is not a motor that you know. Same thing. You don't have to get this kit and be like, all right, well I gotta offload the motor right off the bat. No, don't do it. Fly it and enjoy it because it's got plenty of power. Uh, which that that was really really cool to see. So they did they did a great job there. You know, I put a fair amount of flights on it like this, no issues. I mean, just no issues. I flew it, I enjoyed it. It it, it was great. It was exactly what I had hoped it to be. Wear wise, I saw nowhere. I saw nothing funky. Uh, once again, once I figured out the the deal with the blades, no weird noises. I could if I really got it kind of down. Which, you know, after everything that's happened, I I have scooted my flying out a little bit. I could kind of almost hear that canopy rattle just a little bit if I got it down low and was kind of like doing elevator TikTok sight in. You know, I wasn't sure if like, can I see it doing that? Or is it just that I know it might be moving with it and is my mind playing tricks (laughs) on me? But past that, it went very, very, just no issues whatsoever. Then came the fun part, and this is this is the part I'm most excited about. So what I did because of, you know, because of it being a uh, a combo kit with a rate, you know, again flying a radio that I'm not familiar with, flying a very different fly barless system, which again, you know, Bstex has been around for a while. This is a fantastic fly barless system. If you know, I, well, I can't even say it's not hardcore 3D because I still know a lot of guys. Leon Luke flies it. 
You know, I know a lot of guys that do fly it. It's not for me. The tail performance is not what I want, but it's nothing that has anything to do with the heli. That's just that specific fly barless system. You do have to push it quite a bit to find that point, though. It is probably one of the most stable and easily tuned fly barless systems right out of the box you can get. So it fits the helicopter very, very, very well. That being said, I decided after, I want to say it was about 25, 30 flights, you know, I really wanted to feel this airframe and and, and just get, get it to where I could, uh, yeah, experience it for its rawness and how it would be 100% comfortable to me. So I made the decision. Again, there's nothing wrong with exactly everything that came out of the box. I just wanted to personalize it a little bit more towards Nick so that I could give as accurate of a review on the airframe as possible. Um, so I went ahead and I, I pulled the 7200BX off, put an icon on there. That was it. That's all I did. Left everything else the same. When I went back out and flew it, uh, I did pick up on one more little thing. I had to get my gain down a lot, and I wasn't overly happy with the tail performance. Uh, what I found is actually the tail servo, it uses that same captured ball for the tail servo horn. That's too long, in my opinion. Um, I, I want to say it comes out to about 17 millimeters, uh, ball to center distance. It needs to be about 14 14 and a half. Uh, it's, they are JR spline servos, just so that everyone's aware. I drop that down. I put my own servo horn on. And again, I could probably go back and put the 7200BX on there and gain a fair amount of tail performance out of it now that I have what's correct on there. But I've also got enough flights in the past to know that it only gets so good. Once I got the icon on there, I that is when I went through. And I did some 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 Nick mods, some very small mods in a couple couple places. Which again, that'll be in our tech tip section. You know, got that canopy tightened up a little bit. For the most part, that's really it. Shimmed a couple little things here, and then took it out and just beat it with everything that I had. And oh my gosh, I could not be any happier. This thing, and this is a big statement. It's, it's, it's weird to say, but I can truthfully say that the Blade 700X airframe 100% outflies my T-Rex 700 DFC. Wow. Yeah, that's a pretty big statement. It is a big statement. It is. At I, I went out there with 13, actually 13 and a half. I can't remember if I had 13 and a half. Yeah, right about 13 and a half degrees of pitch. I've got it governed. Uh, works out perfect uh, with the stock setup. If you're going to run it on the castle, internal governor, I think I have it in 1960. And you can just get stupid with the sticks. <laughs> <laughs> I That has been probably... Man, I almost have to say the heli that just was so locked in right off the bat. It was ridiculous. This thing does not want to bobble on the stops. It just stops. And I've got to give a ton of credit to the servo layout and to the head design on that. 
I don't like the DFC heads. I've said that before. They work great at higher RPMs. That is not where I like to fly. And truthfully, I don't think that's where the people who are going to want to buy this helicopter are going to want to fly at. You know, if there is so much grunt and performance in that mid to high 19 range that you just do not need to. It is a pleasure and a joy to fly. It tracks phenomenally. Big air, great. Like, it's got that perfect, I think I ended up, you know, I measured it with a, or weighed it with a bunch of different packs trying to give, you know, what is the, you know, standard pack size, and it came in right at like 12 pounds. It could easily be lighter. You could put a Contronic on there and then, you know, ditch the BEC, ditch the backup guard and just run a Contronic. And yeah, you're going to shave, geez, freaking half a pound almost, you know, quarter pound off there. Uh, but I really like that weight. It's it's a forgiving weight. It's got great power to ratio there. It's got the right amount of hang time for me, 690s or 710s on there. If you want to weigh it down a little more, I mean, your 700s, God, dude, I, I enjoy flying this helicopter, huh. which is, it's, it's surprising. I mean, I'll be honest. It's, uh, you know, we've joked about it, but dude, it's a freaking blade, right? <laughs> <laughs> and, and I, I say it like that, but it's like, why, why now when I show up to the field and I have my two helis there? One flies like real life, and one flies a lot more simish and locked in than the other one does. And that blade outflies that stinking DFC. Huh. Uh, you know, and I'm not saying DFC is bad hilly, and that's not what this is really about, a versus. But when you get it down there and you start just pounding on it, you know, really collective changes, uh, you know, large cyclic movements, direction changes. Even pyro flips, it's just got more flow to it, and it handles stops a lot better. All of those little things that I was, uh, you know, I was picking apart going through the build portion of the review, they they really all disappear in the air. They all go away because it just it flies phenomenal. I was I was blown away. Yeah, so, that's awesome. I you know. I, Sounds like it's an amazing heli, dude. It is. I, I guess wrapping it up, you know, I think for the target people who they're after, they nailed it. They absolutely nailed it. It's very visually appealing, and it really does have the overall fit and finish of a competitive 700-class helicopter. You know, it's new. This, this is their first run at this. They're they're now playing with the big boys. And our expectations when we get to 700 class is huge. And I want to make something very, very clear. I can take what would cons be considered the quote-unquote best X7, Goblin, whatever. I could put those out on the table, go through the build, and I guarantee you I could make just as big of a list of things that I didn't care for. And, and that is the truth. You know, don't focus on the small negative things. Really look at the big picture, which is, you know, every single, every little complaint that I had on here, I was actually able to 
remedy myself with very, very, very minimal effort. And now at the end of that, I have a heli that I love to fly. I love that I can deal with Horizon Hobby. I love that I can deal with people when I want to get parts for it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, if I have a problem, there's actually someone that I can call that will back up the product that they sell. And I love that. I, you know, I'm now, I'm now pushing my local hobby shop. Dude, get me these parts. I'm going to be out here piling this thing in every weekend. I have zero intention of, of getting rid of this. This will stay in my fleet because I love the simplicity of it. Blade, fantastic job. For a first round 700 class, I really don't think that they could have done any better because I don't think that anyone can get it perfect that first time. Excellent, dude. Excellent. I'm glad you enjoyed great. that. I was, I've really been anxiously awaiting that. I uh, actually had somebody ask me uh, yesterday, so come on, Dan, tell tell me what Nick thinks of that heli. And I'm like, dude, he's really <laughs> kind of keeping it under wraps. He's not even really telling us. No. Uh, you know, he kind of wanted to wait and uh, tell us all at once. So I, I've been anxiously waiting. Yeah, I'm, I'm still and just... Like you, Nick, sure. I'm absolutely talking my local hobby shop into carrying that that heli. Yeah. And uh, I have no doubt they will be. Soon. What is the kit price? Um. Oh, boy. The one thing. All these notes. <laughs> See, I got you. I know you did. <laughs> Freaking butthead. <laughs> kit price and kit options, too. Because, you know, I'm interested if you can buy it in... Sort of a bare bones version. Yes. Okay. So you can get the the seven hundred X Pro Series combo, which is what we just did a review of here. Includes everything that I enlisted. That's thirteen forty nine. I'm looking on Horizon Hobby right now. Mm-hmm. Um, or you can get the airframe kit. Let's see. With I do believe. Oh man. Let's see. Does it? I believe it comes with blades. And that is seven ninety nine with blades, bare bone seven ninety nine. Yeah, that's pretty reasonable. I mean, that's super competitive compared to sort of the other ninety size electrics out there. Most of them are in the eight to eight hundred to a thousand dollar range. Yeah, if if you're flying Spectrum, this is like <laughs> you buy this batteries and an ESC and go. Who flies Spectrum though? I don't, but a lot of people still do. Do they? <laughs> I didn't know they still yeah, well, made radios. Okay, well, think about this. <laughs> Almost every person that's flying a Blade 550, I bet you, oh, is. Oh, yeah, absolutely. True. You yeah. know, and and this, I see this being that heli where it's like, well, I really wasn't planning on buying a 700, but... Well, there's one here right in front of me. and <laughs> well, Since uh, it's sitting on the yeah, shelf... I can take it home today. You know, Ooh, yeah. And the cool part, I really like that it's not like this. You know, God, it's it's not like a lot of these combo kits out there where it's like, okay, I buy this, but then I got to sell this, and I got to sell that, and then I got to sell this because I don't want any of that stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, with the exception of the 7200BX um, and just me being a Futaba guy, you know, and that would be the big reason, obviously, I couldn't couldn't fly it with that um nothing else 
you don't need to. You don't need to. The, the motor's got plenty of power. The servos are freaking awesome. You know, so there's there's no need to go do that whole buy this, sell this, blah, 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 that whole deal. And then if you already have all your stuff already, you know, then just pick up the airframe. Hammer down and go. All right. Well, dude, excellent review, but we've got to get moving on because we're running out of time. As always. <laughs> <laughs> Never, Never enough fails. time. I, You know, we did a, I did an interview the week and a half ago now. And you guys pushed out, didn't show up. Oh, dude, don't even get me started. Yeah. I uh, wanted to be at this interview so bad. I uh, I had the pleasure of talking with Robert Gorm. And for those of you who know that name, you know who Robert Gorm is because he was uh, kind of an icon in the hobby years ago. Took a break from the hobby for a while and now is back in the hobby. Was going to play this interview last week, but uh, yeah, I don't, didn't think you guys wanted a, a four-hour show last week. So we're going to go ahead and play <laughs> that this week. This is Robert Gorham. Had a great time talking with Robert. You guys are going to learn a little bit about some old-school heli stuff. We'll be right back. So, Jesse, I heard you had a really bad crash last weekend, man. I did. It really sucks being a poor starving college student you know trying to get those parts ordered but sometimes the funds just aren't quite there to pay for them if you know what i mean hey i know what you mean man but i got the solution for you if you head over to helipros.com they've got the bill me later option that means that you can pick up all the parts you need to get your heli back in the air and you have no payments and no interest if paid in full in six months dude bill me later that's awesome i am gonna go check it out and remember guys fly hard Kelly Pros has the parts. For some of you, the name Robert Gorham is going to strike a bell. You guys remember that name. Robert, say hi. How you doing, everybody? You go, you go back to the very beginning of RC Helicopters pretty much, don't you? Well, I'm kind of second generation. I'm, there were some older guys that got me inspired when I was a young boy. Um, and that was my father and uh, Les Pates and a uh, guy named Tino and a bunch of older guys. Your dad was, uh, he founded GMP, right? And, and those of you who don't know, GMP, Gore Model Products. Um, but your dad started GMP, right? And he was like a Herobo. Um, did he import Herobos? Yes, he was a Herobo distributor, and we also manufactured our own helicopters. Okay. So tell us about those early days and, and give us an idea of what, what year are we talking about here? In 1966, I saw my first RC helicopter fly, oh, and I was six years old at the time. Oh. And that was my father, and that was back in the Cavan days. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm not sure if there was Schluter then. I think there was. Anyway, they didn't fly very well, so I leaned out my bedroom window and watched him in the front yard. <laughs> try to fly this contraption called the RC helicopter, which was tethered down to the ground because they just didn't fly very well. I'd see them do little hops and and five or six minutes later, tip it over and back to the garage and rebuild it and try it again. That initial group of guys, you mentioned your dad and a few other guys that, that had to have been a relatively, I mean, a very small group of guys. Was it all like locally or was it kind of a national thing? This particular group was a small 
group of guys in Southern California, and they called themselves Helicopters Anonymous. Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah. Um, there, was, there was a few small groups around the world at the time that I knew of, but the one that I'm very familiar with is, of course, my father's group right. down in Southern California. We also got guys like Ralph DeLucio. I'm sure you've heard that name. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he goes way back too. Uh, great guy, and he's st he's still around, and okay. he still flies. Huh. And he just turned 80 years old. Oh my gosh! I met a yeah. I met a guy in his late 80s this past summer that just learned how to fly helicopters up here in Washington. You've been up to uh, the Snohomish area. I've seen videos of you flying up there. I used to live in Lake Stevens. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> so this group of guys, you knew you were six years old. Um, did they? Did this group? Do a lot of traveling around. I mean, is it? I mean, I'm assuming it's not like it is today with regional fun flies all over the place and big urcha type events. Or how did they? Did they do stuff like that on a national level? No, they just got together in Southern California, um, and uh, until they got proficient at helicopters, most of these guys were retired aerospace engineers. So they started tinkering and changing and making things better. Ah, uh -huh. and. Uh, because it was it's been a hobby of my dad since way back. My dad was an aerospace engineer, and those guys like to modify and change and trick things out. And you know, I think you probably know the type. Oh, absolutely! I think that's uh, that's indicative of of your typical RC hobbyist still today. I mean, not necessarily an engineer, but definitely like to do a little tinkering. Absolutely. Uh, so you're six years old. You see the helicopter fly. How? How long does it take before you start actively becoming involved in, in actually becoming a proficient pilot? How long did that take? I was 20 years old when I first started flying an RC helicopter. So let me add, were you, okay, six years old to 20, that's a, that's a big span. What uh, were, you, were you off doing bigger and better things? or No, I got into RC, RC gliders, RC airplanes. My dad just would never let me touch a helicopter. Oh, okay. They, oh, yeah. He taught me how to build airplanes, how to build the old wings, you know, how to balsa wood and spruce and cover mm -hmm. them with silk and, and uh, how to do all that. Just too, too dangerous, he thought, or just what? I'm not sure. Not really I, sure, I, huh? I'm not sure. It's the heli bug. He wanted you to stay away from him, but eventually it bit. It did. I, I, I took off. I left home a little early. I left home about 16 years old, and mm -hmm. that's when I moved up to Washington State, and the family... Uh, took me in and taught me how to build custom homes. And uh, I came back when I was about 20 and uh, had lunch with my dad, and he pulled this little helicopter out of his trunk in the parking lot in Calabasas and asked me if I want to try it. It was a little helicopter called the Cricket. Mm -hmm. And I said, sure. So he fired it up and handed me the transmitter, and I, you probably won't believe this, but I lifted it off and I hovered it the very first time <laughs> I ever threw a chopper. <laughs> So, okay, that leads us to, I'm assuming that's about, had your dad started GMP? Or the, yes, he had. He's okay. already, he, it's already uh, doing quite well, actually. And then the Cricket, was that a design from the bottom up, or was that like a, that was like an improvement on a design that Herobo had made, or what was that all? No, the Cricket was a design from the bottom up. Okay. He designed that helicopter for a movie um, called All Night Long with Barbara Streisand and Gene Hackman. Ah. for a scene inside the supermarket where Gene Hackman was acting like he was flying it, chasing some bad guys out. <laughs> it caught on, and he started producing some of them, and they started selling pretty well. And 
and it, it kind of caught on like wildfire. He sold like 18,000 of them, and that's quite a few back in the day. That is quite a few. So you're out there, and you're hovering the helicopter, and you get mm-hmm. the bug. Is that when you decided to join your dad with the GMP stuff, or did you wait a while? Mm, he looked at me. He said, you want a job? <laughs> and I He's said, like, I don't want to work for my dad. Come on. Family well, and business. I said, Let's give it a go. Yeah? <laughs> yeah. He had a factory, you know, and he, we he did prototype work with uh, lathes and mills, and we had a shipping department and a service department, and so I, I got involved in all aspects of it. Plus, plus I started traveling around doing demos with that little old cricket. So tell me this: these days, we have simulators, right? Yeah. You, you didn't have that luxury back then. Uh, no. Tell us how long without a simulator, and how many crashes before you became proficient enough to be able to comfortably fly demos in front of large groups of people? I was one of the fortunate ones. I, I did not crash a lot. Oh, okay. You uh, bastard. I, of course, I did crash. We've <laughs> had, I've, I've had quite a few over the years. But I was, one of, I, was an, I was considered a natural pilot. Oh, nice. I was very lucky. Yeah, so it just came to you. Like some of, I mean, some of these guys have it. I mean. Yes. I mean, it's just a natural, like they were born to fly them almost. And exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I had that ability. So it was a pretty quick progression for you then. You were, you went from hovering to doing, um, well, what these capables were, these helis were capable of doing in a fairly short time. Yeah. I, in about, I think about six months into flying, I went and entered the nationals in intermediate <laughs> class and I took first place, which oh, geez. kind of blew my mind. I didn't expect that. Yeah. What, how was that, how big was the competition? I mean, were there a lot of competitors back then? No, not really. Maybe no. 30. All right. So I want to ask you um, about something that pretty much more most of the newer guys in the hobby have probably never heard of, and it's something you're probably very familiar with back in the old days, the invert switch. <laughs> yeah. Can you explain to our listeners what that is? Well, what it does when you flip a switch – it reverses your collective, so it would be the opposite of what it would normally be. So instead of full down stick, which would be full negative, full up stick would be negative, and full down stick would be positive. It also would reverse your tail rotor, and I think your elevator. So Yeah, your, your elevator too. So when you're flying inverted in the old days, you flip that switch once you get inverted, and it's just like flying the normal configuration as far as flight controls. Ah. Now, we did that because the helicopters weren't nearly as stable back in the day. Yeah. These days, you just flip them over, especially yeah. with a five-barless controller, well-set-up machine. You flip them over, and it, it just sticks right there. In the old days, it was not nearly that stable. You'd have to, You'd be always working the sticks just to hold it in one place. I was reading through a catalog of old uh, RC helicopter magazines. And it's funny when I say old, I mean, it's uh, late 80s, mid to late 80s. Doesn't seem very old to me, but to some people, I guess it's old. And the one thing I, the, the one thing I took from reading through those articles is it seemed guys in the hobby back then had to not only have a passion for flying, but they had to have a passion for being a hobbyist in the sense of being able to build 
at a level that guys I don't think today understand. Absolutely. Because a lot of these parts, they might have been off a little bit and you had to turn it yourself in a, in a mill or, or. Oh, yeah. I was reading through a cricket manual today uh-huh. as, as I was kind of looking over some stuff. And one thing, the first thing that came to my mind, of course, back in the day, I guess, is just the, it, the manual, as you're well aware, was simply a typed out manuscript. Mm-hmm. And not a not a, like an engineer's blown diagram like you see in today's model. And I just could imagine, man, that uh, did you guys find it hard to teach people how to build back then? Some people, yes. Some people were mechanically inclined, and yeah. they had a problem with it. Because but yeah, back in back in the day, we didn't have CAD design. We didn't have computer <laughs> or uh cnc machines for you know so the tolerances weren't nearly as tight on on parts and the manuals weren't nearly as good at all talk talk about the radios for a little bit i mean the radios obviously have come a long ways uh, Mm -hmm. tremendously i mean a lot of the you know the programming that's available you guys didn't have any of that back then boy i tell you that must have played a huge role in separating the men from the boys back then is just being able to handle that older analog equipment and to not have the programming, do you remember when you got your first radio that had some programming capabilities, and did you did you enjoy it, or did you want to kind of go back? I enjoyed it because I like tinkering and playing with new things, but it took quite a while to get as proficient as I was prior to that new fancy radio because you had so many different settings yeah. and adjustments, throttle curves to you know adjust, pitch curves to adjust. Uh, tail rotor compensation, things like that, that you had to really fine tune to make it lock in. Whose radios were you flying back then? I was primarily flying JR, but I switched over to Futaba. JR was great. Futaba was great. Airtronics was a big player back then. And um, that's about as many as I remember. I'm sure there was a few <laughs> out there besides them. One thing I was noticing is the uh, the setups on those uh when I was setting them up, I come from the more, I guess, more modern heli, and I was noticing that it was not as easy to get the pitch range that you can get in today's helicopters. That was pretty typical, right? I mean, four degrees, negative, six. <laughs> yeah. Yep, I'm running into that problem right now because I got one of my vintage helicopters I'm trying to set up for 3D, well, at least my style of 3D, and uh, I, I just can't get enough pitch range out of it. <laughs> yeah. We're, we're used to running, what, 14 plus and 14 minus nowadays. Yeah. <laughs> I can't get it, so I'm going to have to do some modifications. Coming in, as the hobby's evolving, and you start noticing that, uh, you know, I mean, I, I, you know, you were around Curtis Youngblood when he was a young whippersnapper and these other guys, and you notice they're starting to really push the machines to their limits. And how, did that, how did that happen if you were only able to get minus four and plus six? We'd had to make we'd had to modify mixing arms on the rotor heads to make the mixing. Oh, okay. So that was a mod that you guys did. Yes. Okay. Now the Schluter helicopters, which he flew quite a bit, um, I think they had that type of pitch range, but but they didn't go as as much as fourteen degrees. I think that you know plus ten minus ten or yeah, maybe nine. That was the first step, wasn't it? Don't you think? In in the helicopters starting to really come to life. Absolutely. That was uh, the beginning of it all. So I was uh, I was reading that 
uh, when you guys first started, uh, you got it. You went to um, the Worlds, I guess it was, or the FAI Worlds in Curtis Youngblood with Curtis Youngblood and. Uh, yeah, yeah, I've been on uh, three of those World Championship teams in '85, '87, and '89. What was that competition like? Did you find, uh, from a world perspective, there were quite a few good pilots, or was it still kind of? Oh, yeah. 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 Oh yeah. Where were the biggest uh, competitors from? Well, Japan always. Yeah. Those guys are serious. <laughs> they don't mess I mean, around. <laughs> they're scary serious when you get out there as a competitor. Yeah. Um, some of the Europeans, uh, Daniel Graber, and uh, uh, some of the French pilots. I mean, some of the Europeans are they were really good back then, and they still are today. I saw a picture, um, and I think it was you. I'm not real sure. Maybe you can confirm. I saw some pictures of it was that you were hovering a. It looked like a bay, a bell, scale fuselage. <laughs> and you yeah. know what I'm going to say next. Yes. A picture of you kissing the helicopter while it was, uh, while you were hovering it? <laughs> yeah, that was me. Was that part of a, like a show you guys were doing or was that just, did that just kind of happen one day? It just kind of happened one day when I was in Lake Charles, Louisiana. Yeah. And everyone cheered so much i decided to start doing it at shows and uh you know it's like anything else we we as time progresses and uh, you know as of recent events obviously we we're, we consider these kind of things and we we hope that people don't do them and i'm sure you would not advocate for that <laughs> that that maneuver but at the time you know we have to look at it in context it was a professional pilot right you, you were doing this as a demonstration it was kind of stupid at the time. I mean, well, looking back, we we don't advise anybody do that. But just no, it was it was just a, a silly little demo thing I used to do to get the crowd riled up. And we were we were running a lot lower head speeds. We were running wooden rotor blades. Yeah, it w- I would have got seriously injured if something went wrong. But yeah, today's machines, as you're fully aware, yeah, can have deadly consequences. Yes, so I highly recommend. Nobody ever trying that maneuver. Yes. All right. So let's talk a little bit about these demos and just more in particular, the usual routine you were doing there. How how often and how many did you guys do like a lot of these a year, like several of them? I would travel around most of the year doing uh, clinics for the first probably five or six years at GMP, just helping guys get the machines in the air. Um, we sold to hobby stores, approximately 500 hobby stores nationwide. Mm-hmm. And a lot of guys had a hard time putting them together correctly and getting them set up correctly, and that's half the battle right there. Yeah, you know. So that was just, that was a necessary we, thing, I would imagine, to get those. Yeah. Did you have like a team of people, or where is it just you? It was primarily me, but mm-hmm. it, it it started to expand. You know, we the company started to grow. We started started to do trade shows and. And some of the pilots would get good, and we uh, sponsored some of them, and they would go out and help people on the weekends. And it kind of grew like wildfire. It was, it was a lot of fun. A lot of work, but a lot of fun. So tell me about the, I guess, you know, what I consider the generation before me, the guys that I kind of looked up to. I'm guessing they're the guys that kind of came after you, and that would be the Todd Bennett's and the Jason Krause's and the Curtis Youngbloods and so on and so forth. Those guys were the young up-and-comers when, when you were around doing this, right? 
Yes, that's correct. Did you did you get a chance to see? Obviously, I know you flew with Curtis Youngblood. What about uh, Todd Bennett and all these other guys? Did you ever get a chance to to appreciate their flying when they were in their prime back then? I didn't get a chance to really appreciate them in their prime. No, but Curtis, absolutely. Yeah. How did you guys? How how he flew GMP? Right. The, he was was he a sponsored pilot back then? Um, way back in the early days. Yes, he was. And how did you guys learn of Curtis Youngblood? Well, I think my second year into helicopters, I entered expert class in the nationals, and I won that. And Curtis was in intermediate class, and he was just a young kid. But we all sat there and watched his flying, and we knew he was going to be good. Yeah. And the very next year, he went straight into expert. I'm not sure he beat me that year, but I think he beat me the following year. (laughs) And then after that, sky was the limit with that young man. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah was much more talented than I was. So Curtis, was he like your guys' first major pilot that you that you signed on? Yes. Did you guys have any other big names that our listeners might be aware of that maybe still might be around? Uh, well, we had we had quite a few. I mean, nobody as big as Curtis, though. Yeah. You know, Curtis is not the fact that he flew GMP. It's just the fact that I watched him come up the ranks yeah i i watched him do some of the very first 3d flying i've ever seen in the world man that would have been awesome and i sat on the sidelines and i looked at some of his stunts he was practicing and doing and i could not believe my eyes that must have been amazing to to see that i mean that's uh absolutely that's that's quite (laughs) that's That's amazing. So, all right. So you're, you move forward and eventually I read, and maybe, I don't know what, if, if you want to comment on this or not, but I've read that, that GMP kind of, was there like some kind of an issue with the Herobo? You got, I, GMP just kind of closed down in the late eighties, wasn't it? I wasn't with them at that time. Um, I think in 92, Futaba offered me a position in their marketing department. Ah. Uh, Steve Helms did. And I went to work down there with them. It was getting a little stressful between my father and I and, uh, and, and, and business and whatnot. And it was just time to break, break, break ties. And um, did, did the Futaba gig require as much traveling as the GMP gig? Mm, no, not quite as much. <laughs> I spent a lot of time in the office doing marketing reports and <laughs> answering telephones. <laughs> so in 93... You flew your last competition and you took a break. What did you go do when you took the break? You you went back into construction? Yes, I went to visit my mother who retired up in Prescott, Arizona. Just to, I don't know, I just needed a vacation, man. Yeah. I've been on the road for like 17 years. <laughs> <laughs> and, and really, really working hard. And I went up there. I just fell in love with the town. And uh, I decided to move up there and I went back into construction. Started building custom homes. Yeah. So how long your your break was long? I mean, you were away for a number <laughs> yeah. of years. Yeah, about sixteen years. In that time, did you get a did you fly at all, or did you totally did you like yeah, I'm stepping away for a while and just not pick it up? To be honest with you, I got a little burnout from all the traveling and mm-hmm. and, and and everything, and I just I got rid of all my helicopters. I sold a few, I gave some away, and I never touched a helicopter again. 
All right. So let's fast forward. Well, before we do that, let's uh, before we talk about what's going on presently, I think it's worth mentioning um, in your early days up until 93 and maybe sometime thereafter, well, you weren't really flying, so I guess it didn't really happen after, but you had the opportunity to help some pretty well-known folks, not necessarily in the hobby, but, uh, you know, from just uh, like I've seen pictures of Jamie Farr, and of course he's, you guys, well, some of you newer guys, <laughs> younger kids may not know, but he was in MASH, right? right. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, you've known Jeff Dunham for a long time. Mm-hmm. I, I got to ask you, though, did, I mean, did Jamie Farr, did he actually learn how to fly? Did he stick with it? Mm, he didn't stick with it. No. He wasn't a natural. Let's put it that way. <laughs> yeah, two left thumbs. Some people pick up on it, and some people are struggle. They struggle, and he was one of the ones that struggled. Okay. Well, I think that's pretty cool that that you were able to do that and and share the hobby yeah. with some of these guys. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. There's some good people. What changed? Why, why did you decide that maybe it's time to pick up a radio again? Well, I got a. I got an email. Somebody hunted me down. I guess guys, I have I don't want to call them fans because they're not really fans. They're they're more like friends, but I've gathered hundreds of them from all over the world over the, over the years. Yeah. From the RC industry. And you know what I'm talking about. Sure. You you grow bond with some of these people. Yeah. And uh and you become close friends with some of them. And I guess from what I've heard, they spent a lot of years trying to find me on the internet and they they finally found me, and they sent me an invitation to go to a fun fly, and I declined. That was about three years ago. Mm-hmm. Two years ago, I was asked to go to uh, the May Day Heli Fun Fly down in Sulphur, Louisiana. And I have some close friends down there like Bo Hinch and Mark Spees and Lynn Hinch, some of those guys. They're not big names, but they're big names to us because they're, they're good friends. Yeah. And I accepted. J.C. Zankel was part of this little oh, group, yeah. too, that yeah. ganged up on me to, to <laughs> horn swoggle me in the back to a, <laughs> a fun fly. Mm-hmm. And uh, I decided to go. And uh, it was J.C. who uh, asked me to come out to the runway. And he handed me a transmitter with his X7, Gowie X7, and asked me if I wanted to fly it. And I said, Sure. And ever since then, I've been hooked again. What was your first thought? Well, my first thought was I couldn't believe how stable the helicopter was. Yeah. And it was an electric. I've never flown an electric that actually worked. <laughs> yeah. And it was really cool. It sounded like it had a little built-in turbine, you know, and there's no smoke. And mm-hmm. It's really smooth because they have less vibration. Mm-hmm. Power to weight ratio was much greater. I was I was quite impressed with that, and I was intrigued. So the helis kind of sucked you back in. You got to fly the X seven, and here you are. You're back in the hobby. What are you? I mean, I asked you about your first thoughts flying the heli, but you must have immediately noticed the advancements. I mean, you, I, I'm guessing you didn't keep up with the hobby you, since you sold everything. Were you just flabbergasted by the improvements? Absolutely. What do you think the evolution of the helicopter, what is the most amazing to you? The, the most amazing evolution. Well, it's got to be the three-axis controller. Yeah. 
Yeah. I mean, a lot of guys call them cheater gyros and things like that, and yeah. I used to myself, but but it's enabled not necessarily myself because I'm an older guy now and my reflexes have slowed down a bit, but you've been to some of these events, mm -hmm. and maybe you're a really good 3D flyer, but some of these guys, some of these top guys especially, are doing maneuvers that just blow my mind. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I used to dream. Dream about this kind of stuff, but we couldn't actually do it. Let's go back a little bit because you mentioned um, some guys, and I remember the argument about why do I want, you know, a controller flying the helicopter? And I got to ask you, because um, I'm guessing there might have been similar comments back when people started using the tail gyros. Yes, there was. Absolutely. Was that not well received initially? I mean, were there holdouts? People like, ah. You don't need those. <laughs> yeah, there were some holdouts, that's for sure. I was a fly bar I was a fly barless head I was a fly barless controller holdout for for yeah. 2 years. I mean, I was just dead set against not ever switching over. Um yeah. so I could imagine there was there was some of that same thing. And it was kind of and you're you're right. I mean, that's yep. the thing that we always go back to when we think about the most amazing thing and now the availability and the cost of these three-axis gyros are just making it incredible. I mean, there's so many players in the market that everybody's coming out with a with a, a pretty good fly barless controller. Yeah, absolutely. Do yeah. you have a flavor of choice? Which uh, you want to tell us which one you prefer? I haven't tried them all. Um, I've used the, the Align Three GX. Yeah, and I got that to work fairly well. Once I up, uh, updated the, uh, the firmware, um, I, I have read a lot of people having problems with that particular three-axis controller. I did not. But I went and bought a V-bar, and I put that in, and it was night and day difference. How, how, did, how did you find the setup? Did you find that it was interesting and fun or a little maybe a little frustrating? It was frustrating at first. Was it? Yes. <laughs> Yeah, but now it takes me five minutes on the bench. So when you first, the, the first time you got to fly the, the fly barless control, I mean, really fly one of your own, not necessarily just a quick flight. Mm -hmm. uh, did you notice, were there things about it you didn't like, some tendencies that you didn't like? Or was it all good? It was all good. Yeah? Yeah. I rem I remember the early days of the fly barless. It was that spool up that was that had a lot of people oh, concerned. Uh, okay, you're talking about fly barless without a controller? No, just the just the, what the tendencies of the fly barless controller. I mean, they've they've fixed a lot of these things. And for example, I remember I tried the very first 3G. Okay. And it was so unstable until the head got up to speed that it would that actually tip. That's scary. And those types of things. Yeah, that's not good. And, you know, a lot of guys that come from the fly bar right into a fly barless controller talk about a robotic feel, um, less momentum. The, 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 the fly bar, you know, had a little momentum into maneuvers, whereas the fly barless controller felt a little robotic into maneuvers, almost maybe a little too exacting. I don't know if that mm. if that's a negative tendency, but... I understand what they're saying, but I don't feel that way. I've been able to adjust mine so I get a feel that I like. Yeah. And I can't really describe what that feel is. 
Um, but I kind of have a natural flow to my flying style, even though I'm not a top pilot anymore. I, I'm still fairly good. Yeah. And um, I don't know. Once once I figured out how to tame them down just a hair and get the right right weight rotor blades on there and the right RPMs, I, I kind of dig them, especially when it's windy. You know, they uh, take a lot of the fight out of the machine when it's high winds. Have you ventured into? I know you mentioned uh, electrics. Yeah, you're 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 doing a lot. Have you have you're flying any of the modern nitro machines? Do you have any of those? I have an Align T Rex 700 nitro. Yes. Um, I have an Align T Rex 600 nitro pro. I think that's the only nitros I have, except for I I do have a vintage GMP Legend, which I fly a fly barless one without a controller, and that mm-hmm. has a good old OS 61. Uh, engine in it, nitro, of course. The the performance is, uh, you know, the more modern machines, obviously, um, they're 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 flying harder and better, faster. Oh, absolutely. But it must be, you must get a kick out of going back and remembering what it was like flying the the older machines, right? I do. I don't know how I flew them so well. Yeah. Do you do you find that they're? I know it's been a lot of years, and maybe not you know, in uh, form as you were when you were a younger man, but do you find them, are you surprised that you could fly them so well? I am. Yeah? Uh, the power to weight ratio isn't there. The roll rate isn't there. Uh, not like the, the machines of today. And um, I don't know how I used to pull some of the stunts I used to pull back in the day. With some of the old machines. I, I really don't know. I must have been fairly good. <laughs> I was talking with uh, Colin <laughs> Bell a while ago, and he was, you know, he, he's uh, he flew some of the older machines uh, when he first started, and he, he just was convinced that if you really want to separate a good pilot from a great pilot, put him in a 60-size machine, an old nitro. <laughs> yeah, I agree with you. Um, for instance, this fly barless legend i've been flying recently uh, i put put together i've taken it to a couple fields and let the other guys fly it and um it's a lot more work yeah and yeah it separates the men from the boys because they don't just you don't just lift them up into a hover and take your hands off the sticks with a newer style fly barless helicopter with a controller and as you know these days if it's set up right you just lift it up into a hover and take both hands off the sticks and it just sits there yeah in the old days, or the older machines, that that's not that way. <laughs> yeah. You don't let go of the sticks too often. So I, I've been uh, kind of noticing on your Facebook page, uh, uh-huh. you're been in, you've been playing around with with a few different brands of helis. Yes, a Goblin. I saw a Goblin, and of course you're messing a little with the Gowies a little bit, some lines. Yep. Out of these new machines, which ones? Uh, which ones do you find that you enjoy flying the most? All of them. All of them. <laughs> All of them. I just recently picked up a Goblin. Which one did you pick up? The 500. It's a freaking fun machine, man. It is. It's a, it's a hoot. And I've got 75 flights on mine. and I've done maintenance twice. haven't found a single screw loose. And it just rock and rolls. It's a, it's, it's a good helicopter. This day and age, there's so many good helicopters out there. Yeah. Um, and and it's the hobby itself is... Tremendously easier for people to get into with simulators and the. Do you ever play around with the micros? Do you have any of those? <laughs> yeah, I have three. Or wait a minute, let me count. 
I have four. Do you enjoy them? Um, not really. <laughs> I mean, they're fun for poking around in the house and uh, chasing the cat and stuff. Chasing the cat and stuff. Yeah. Other than that, uh, you know, outdoors, I, I kind of fly. My style is considered big air flying, and you can't really do big air right. flying with a uh, MCPX or a, an Axe 100. <laughs> and uh, but you know, they're fun to. F- fly around in the garage and you know once in a while i my significant other her name is april and chase her around the kitchen once in a while when she's cooking (laughs) (laughs) just for fun so tell me about simulators i know they're big these days and everyone preaches to use them Are, are you playing around on a sim at all i purchased a phoenix flight simulator 4 i believe it's what it's called yeah yeah, I have one. And? I dig it. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah. Could you imagine having one of those back in the mid-80s that, that operated yeah. so well? It would have changed things. It would have changed things. My gosh. How often are you simming? Do you do that quite a bit? I don't do it as often as I should. I, You know, I got a life, too. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I got to balance this out. This is a hobby now, even though I, I, I enjoy it very much. I, so, you know, on the weekends, I'll poke around with it a little bit. And and I think the funnest part about the sim for me is I'll go online and start flying with some other guys. Absolutely. That's exactly they, what I do. They, they won't even know who I am. I, you know, I'll make up some fictitious name, <laughs> Bobby Douchebag or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll, go, I'll go hoot around with some guys in South America or over in Japan. It's, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, it's it is a lot of fun. The social aspect, and that's what I enjoy the most. And and uh, yeah, I used to do uh, Phoenix, but I do real flight now. Uh huh. And I enjoy that. Simming for me has been. I was along with the fly barless controllers. I, I was also kind of one of those anti sim guys for a long time because I didn't I didn't have sims really, not any good sims when I started. So you know, I started with a Nitro Fifty, and I just kind of crashed my way through things. I didn't have that. I wasn't fortunate, you, Robert. I didn't have that natural ability, boy. I earned my crashes. <laughs> a lot of them. I, I just remember every day I'd come home with a broken JR550. Every day. Oh, no. But I kept at it. I just, uh, I was I, I was determined, and that helped. Mm-hmm. So you've got a webpage. It's uh, the landing zone, right? That is correct. Yeah. What are you doing? Is that that's like a is that a forum? It's it seems to me like it's a social. It's like a social app, isn't it? It's 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 got both aspects to it. It's got a social app, which is the front page called the community, where people can go in and you know post kind of like Facebook. You can put pictures or videos and and uh, make groups, things like that. But this is also a dedicated forum. If you go up at the top of the website and click on the forum tab, it takes you to a PHPB uh, forum that I put together. Yeah. And I don't know. I was bored. I decided to put something together where people can come and connect with me because I, I seem to be, um, even though I'm an old timer and was out of it for quite a while, a lot of people remember me, so I kind of put that together so they can come and connect with me. Besides Facebook, because a lot of guys are, they're not on Facebook. They don't want to be public. Yeah, there's a lot of, it, 
a lot of Facebook resent. I, I don't know. Resentment's not really the right word, but I find that as well. Mm-hmm. I got a lot of guys just, just there's something about Facebook that isn't, I don't mind it. Cause I, I, you know, I use it. It's a very powerful, I mean, that's how I got in touch with you through Facebook. Yeah. Yeah. It is very powerful. And, um, Absolutely. but a lot of guys just don't, don't care for that. That is true. Yeah. So how is, how's it coming along? Are you, you guys getting some, uh, membership there and some posting or how's the website coming along? It's coming along slow. It's, yeah. it's, it's been up and running for about six months. Um, I was the brain behind it and I, uh, uh, hired a, a web developer to put it together for me. Mm-hmm. And I've only got about 250 members. I haven't really advertised it much or yeah. done any, anything like that. I don't so what is the what is the URL? Give us the URL. The URL? Yeah. You can either do uh, robertgorham.com or robertgoramlandingzone.com. Yeah, I signed up to it as soon as I saw it a few months back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a fantastic. I mean, I remember you. I, I I remember reading about you. You were not in the hobby when I started the hobby, but you know, it's like anything else. When you really get into something, you get to where you just kind of absorb everything you can um, mm-hmm. about the hobby. And I just remember reading all about you guys, and you know, all the the guys that that were, in my mind, kind of trailblazers. You know, the the guys who made it happen and helped evolve the hobby to what we have today. I mean, it's tremendous, right. the, the influence that your group of friends had on the hobby, and it's fantastic. Yeah, it's pretty cool being a part of that. We didn't see it that way back then. We were just a bunch of guys that really loved to fly RC helicopters. Yeah, it's and, fantastic. Uh, and the guys before me, you know, the ones that inspired me. Uh, um, I'm glad they stuck with it. So I understand what you're talking about. Yeah. And that's, it's, it, it is, I got to tell you, I'm, I was really pleased when you said you'd come on. I've been looking forward to chatting with you as always, Robert, thanks for hanging out with us here at RC Alienation and, and God, I'd love to have you back anytime. Love to hang out with you at a fun fly, hopefully, uh, next year at Urcha. Well, I appreciate, I appreciate though everyone welcoming me back. Um, it's kind of blown my mind and touched my heart and I really dig this hobby. Yeah, it's a great hobby. I'm really impressed with, uh, the way the young people have evolved it to even a higher level. Did you ever, could you ever fathom back in those days how big it was going to become? No, I, I couldn't. I was at the first Urcha. Oh my gosh. My Urcha card has number 28 on it. Oh, geez. And now there's thousands and when... I got off that big bus with Jeff when we arrived at Urchin. and I walked out to the flight line and I looked to the left and I looked to the right and I couldn't believe my eyes. It was amazing. <sighs> that's that's uh, that's awesome. Again, thanks for coming and hanging out with us, man. It's uh, It's been a lot of fun. And uh, again, anytime, you're welcome. You always have a spot here. You want to come hang out and talk with us. Well, I appreciate it, Dan. So Jesse, as you know, I've been doing a lot of testing lately on my electric, and what I'm starting to realize, man, is that my batteries are really weak. You got any recommendations for me as to what batteries I should check out next? Well, Justin, lately, I've been having really good luck with Genzace batteries. So if you're looking for some batteries to get you through your testing and keep you in the air, 
I would definitely go take a look at Gen Zay's. So there you have it, guys. Gen Zay's batteries. You can get them at hobbyparts.com. All right, guys, that was Robert Gorham. Fantastic dude. I really had a a good time talking to him, and, and I can't wait to get a chance to meet him in person and uh, do some flying with him. You know the cool part, Dan? Huh. You're not the old man when he's around. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's another cool thing is when Carrie Shirley's around, I'm not the old man again either. See? <laughs> but you got to keep these guys around. Then. Dan's yeah, pretty man. smart about who he picks to interview here. I'm, getting, <laughs> yeah. I'm seeing a pattern okay. here. Uh, now when I interview Bert, we're both the old men because we're the same age. Oh. Huh. You yeah. young whippersnappers. No, what a what a cool dude. Oh, I mean, dude. just legends. These people are legends. And I want to encourage you guys if if you you know especially the guys in the hobby that that um, are newer, you know we really take for granted what we have, and um, you know just do a little search. You know when you got some time, kind of look back and see what these guys went through. I mean the the building <laughs> and the the craziness and the fact. Think about this for a second. Imagine trying to build your helicopter without the internet. Yeah, think about, dude. Think about I mean, that. without all yeah. of the resources, you know, how many times have you actually started working on something and realized that you're not sure what the next step is? And, and, then, and, and you just had to figure it out. Dude, and then, and then there's the whole, I need a part. So I'm going to pull out what they used to call an envelope, right? And then I'm going to write a check. And I'm going to lick a stamp. I'm going to put it on there. And I'm going to send these guys a check, right? It's going to take a while. Four weeks later, you get your part. You know, it, it, what, we're spoiled. We are spoiled in this hobby these days. I mean, we order something today, it's here in a day or two, three days, four days to next weekend. Oh, yeah. And uh, just the ease of which um, things go together these days. It's just fun to learn about that stuff. I've always, really thoroughly enjoyed those older helicopters um i have got a couple projects myself that i'm trying to get flying been working on it for quite some time it's hard to get parts for some of these these helis but um what can i say i enjoy that that kind of stuff old i like to keep the old dusty things around you know that's why i'm still here So anytime, Robert, you want to come hang out, you're welcome, man. It was a, a great time. Thank, thank you so much for spending some time with me the other night. So moving right along because, wow, uh, it's getting to be a long show again. We have Carrie Shirley with another gas-powered thoughts. You guys remember Carrie Shirley? Oh yeah, we like our gas. <laughs> we like we our gas. love our gas. <laughs> so we're gonna play that one real quick. This is Carrie Shirley with gas-powered thoughts. Carrie Shirley's back with us. Carrie, how you doing, man? Real good, Dan. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. You know, we love it when you come on to impart your gasser wisdom on us. But I got to know, man, what what have you been doing these days? What have you been working on? What's new? Well, the latest thing I've got to play with is a, a new gas conversion. It's from HWC slash Century Helicopters. It's another T-Rex 700 conversion. This one's a little different. Uh, HWC has always used what's called the PUH format motor from Zenoa, 
This one's a little different because they used the RC format motor. I've heard you talk about this before, and I've heard other people talk about it, and I know you've explained it to us, but <clears throat> I'm kind of slow in the head. Give us an, give us an idea. <laughs> Tell us what no, is the not. difference. It, it, it's confusing because, you know, most people look at gas helicopters and they say, that's eh, got a motor. <laughs> exactly. But, but, but Zenoa really makes two formats of this thing. One is called the PUH, which stands for Power Unit Helicopter. It was more of a purpose-designed uh, motor. It doesn't have a cooling system. It's based on a magneto, and it's very compact. It's small. It comes in various displacements, and it's used. it, it traditionally was used in all gas helicopters until just a few years ago. Now, the RC format motor has a bigger footprint. It's got a built-in cooling system, and it's been traditionally used in uh, RC cars, and you'll find them on go-peds, and it's actually very similar to the motor you would find on yard implements. Is not that format a lot heavier? Well, it's really not when you weigh all the parts, because uh, you're going to have to put a hub and a fan and a cooling shroud on the PUH. So it just depends on how light you're able to make those things as to whether or not it's lighter than um, the RC motor. And the heaviest part is the crankshaft and the cooling fan. Uh, you may have seen something I wrote about this lately. HWC also has started making modified RC motors. And they actually made an electronic ignition system for the RC motor, and they made a new fan. So now these two motors are about the same weight all up. Just one more thing about uh, the, the RC versus PUH. The, the RC motors, it's physically bigger. So when you're designing a, a, a model or a conversion around it, you have to account for that, where the PUH motor is fairly compact and you can really make the, the model kind of hug it. You know, the RC motor is, is physically bigger. The upside of that, though, is the cooling system on it is just outstanding, and it's right out of the box. I mean, you don't have to make all these parts. It's ready to go. Okay, so you've told us a little bit about the motors, but let's go back to this conversion. Tell me what's unique about it. Well, the primary thing from an HWC perspective is it's completely different. It's using this different motor. Like all HWC conversions, it's very complete. You don't need any additional parts. You know, you, you get a T-Rex 700, You'll need some parts from it. You buy the conversion. You get a motor. That's it. You build it. It's ready to go. Nice. Now, the, the conversion itself has some unique features. Um, Century has developed a, a really great clutch system for their gas helicopters, and they've adapted it on their other, their other conversions, and, and it's on this one as well. In fact, it's an improved version um, if you're familiar with gas helicopters, you know, they tend to turn slower RPMs on the motor than glow motors. So when the motor unloads or if you're turning at slower speeds, traditional nitro clutches just aren't big enough. They, they, don't, they don't engage properly and they tend to chatter when the engine unloads. So Century put together this, uh, it's a 58 millimeter steel clutch. It's, it's huge. And it works really well. They use it in their Radical uh, Radical 30 model. Well, they've also applied it to their conversions, and it applies to this T-Rex 700RC conversion as well. Works really well. They've also built a 
uh, custom-made air deflector. This motor mounts forward in the chassis. Most of the conversions that the motor mounts forward in it, the air blows into the canopy, gets your electronics hot, and causes problems. So they made this custom uh, air deflector that's, that sticks basically out the side of the model and channels the air out. Um, it, it's a neat idea, and it solves two problems, because now you can put the fuel tank in the back. CG doesn't change as much as the, as the fuel goes down, and of course you can see it. It's a graphite frame set. It's very simple to put together. If you've built uh, their other two conversions, this, the um, 700 and 600 conversion they make for the PUH, there's a lot of parts, and uh, basically they adapted a bunch of parts from the Radical 30 and, and just made them work. This is more purpose-designed, and uh, it works really well. It's, it's really simple. So what else uh, from a 700, a T-Rex 700, do you need to complete one of these builds? Well, you don't need any of the frame parts. You just need the, the big bobs, you know, like the landing gear. You'll need the, the complete tail boom and tail rotor and all the drive system gears, the auto hub, main rotor and swash plate, and main shaft, all the bearing blocks, all the control system parts, bell cranks and whatnot, radio tray. That, that's a note. Um, it's designed for the uh, older bell crank system. You can't easily use, you know, the DFC direct servo control setup. The DFC head's okay, but um, you'd have a hard time using the direct servo control setup on the, the newer models. So i got to ask, in a perfect world, are you flying a conversion or are you flying an out-of-the-box gas helicopter? You know, they've both got advantages and disadvantages, and... I've got favorites in both uh, both flavors. It kind of depends on which which models do you like. You know, the the guys that make uh, out of the box gas helicopters, they work really well. Uh, they're straightforward. All the parts come from one place, uh, and they work. The conversions. If you've got a favorite helicopter that uh, there's a conversion for, they they work fine too. It's just kind of what do you want, you know? If uh, if you want a Raptor 90 gasser, well, there's only one way you're going to get it. You're going to do a conversion and, <laughs> and make it work. Conversions, I think, have come a long ways. Would you not agree? Because I've tried a conversion a long time ago, and it just did not go over really well. They've really improved a lot. You know, for the longest time, there was only there was only one person offering conversions, and they really weren't very well made, and everyone that got one had a lot of trouble with it. <laughs> and I think the first company that really, you know, changed the dial was was Helibug. Ali, the guy that uh, designs them, picked up on the RC motor, which uh, solved a cooling problem right off the bat. It really made a difference. The, his his very first model actually worked pretty well. So now, how much uh, how much is this conversion that we've been talking about going to cost, and uh, when's it going to be out? I think it's uh, from what I've seen, it's going to be about five hundred and twenty-five dollars, which seems like a lot of money. But if you take a look at the conversion, you know, all the parts are graphite. You get a clutch, and you get a canopy. In fact, it's a, a radical thirty canopy. It's it's painted really nice. And you might ask, what the hell do I need that for? I mean, I've got a T Rex canopy. Well. When you do these conversions, particularly with the RC motor, the chassis is taller because the engine's a lot taller than a than a uh, a ninety size glow motor. So what you wind up is the canopy doesn't look right. 
you know, it's sitting up higher on the model and you got a big gap on the bottom between the bottom of the canopy and the landing gear. It just doesn't look right. So they've packaged this canopy in and it's a bigger canopy. So it looks great. It looks like it belongs. Makes it look like a complete model. So I got to ask, what else have you been up to? Obviously, I mean, you're a busy man. You've been doing some other stuff. Let us know, let us know what all that's, uh, what you've been up to. No, Aside I'm still tinkering with uh, my GT15, which is in a, a Raptor G4 Nitro. Actually flies pretty good. I like it. That motor's, you know, gotten beaten up quite a bit in the forums. Uh, I've had pretty good luck with it. You know, it, it, it is what it is. It's, it's not a, you know, a 120 glow motor. You're not going to go out and beat the hell out of it because it just won't. It's a, it's a smaller motor. Uh, I've got a couple of more models in the wings. Uh, I'm waiting to build a... Uh, a GSR 260Z from JR. I don't know if you know what that is, but I've, yeah, mm-hmm. it's a big it's a big model, and yeah. it's got a full fuselage. When I say full fuselage, it's a tail fairing and a big canopy. It looks really sharp. Um, looking forward to building that, and uh, I've also got an Airstar Mongoose that um, that I'm going to get to after that. A little bit later. Probably see uh, see something in a scale helicopter show up. Nice. Yeah, it's you know I've had one in the box for a really long time, and I think it's time to get that out. And um, hope to be involved in a in one of those secret squirrel projects that uh, something will turn up sometime next year on. Oh come on! You're gonna, yeah. That's all you're going to give us for now. You got to give us. Yeah, oh. I can't can't go beyond that. You ever been called a tease before? Uh, actually, no. <laughs> <laughs> the last few weeks, especially, there's been a few unfortunate events, and safety is is on a lot of people's mind. And I kind of want to get your thoughts on the hobby and where are we at with safety. What do you have any thoughts on anything we could do concerning safety? You know what's happened in the last couple of weeks is is really tragic. I, I feel so bad for. Uh, Roman's family. Uh, at the same time, he was doing what he loved. And you know, I've told my wife over and over and over, if I go out to the field and this thing hits me and kills me, one thing you'll know is I was having a good time when it hit me. Now, that doesn't help. It really doesn't. No. But, you know, people get killed in car wrecks every day. They get killed in all sorts of ways. Mm-hmm. And in a lot of cases, they weren't happy when it happened. So, you know, um, this is not a completely safe hobby. The things we're dealing with carry a lot of force, and uh, they can be dangerous. On the flip side of that, people have been flying these things for, you know, 35 years. Mm-hmm. And we've only seen bad things happen lately when we're really starting to push the envelope. So what I hope uh, we see is, you know, some additional safety considerations I know at uh, at our event, Orlando Helicopter Blowout, we ele- erected a um, a safety barrier last year. Now, clearly, it's not going to stop everything, but it's more than nothing. Right. And I think that's the sort of thing uh, more people need to think about. Is there some way that we can, you know, make it safer, at least for the public, if not for us as pilots, because. Uh, you know, if, if if one of us is hurt, we signed up for it. Yeah. But if somebody comes out to an event and get gets hurt, 
maybe it was the first time they've ever seen one. Mm-hmm. And I just think we need to be very aware of that and take whatever precautions we can. As always, Kerry, it's a pleasure having you on. Thanks for coming on to give us your gas-powered thoughts. Okay, dude. Thanks a lot, man, for having me. All right, that was Kerry Shirley, gas-powered thoughts. Thanks, man, for coming, hanging out, and uh, imparting your gassy wisdom on us. Oh, yeah. See what I did there? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was, uh, yeah, pretty good. <laughs> Seamless. I guess. <laughs> kind of. Oh, it's been a lot. I got to tell you, man, this um, this is gonna this has been a long show. Uh, is there anything else you guys want to cover before we head out? I don't think I so. Think we give a little uh, upcoming uh, preview, I guess. Uh, next week we're going to be doing a review. Uh, Justin, I believe you're going to have your review ready, aren't you? Yep. I'm going to be doing a review on the Helibug Powerbug Alternator that and, I've been flying on my gasser. Oh, yeah. Gasser. Gas. 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 And I will get a flight video um, as soon as I can get, get, get a flight. You can actually fly. Next spring. <laughs> I need a little bit of not rain. Yeah. And I need another human being at the field with me. <laughs> and yeah. once those two things happen. Helmet cam. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. We'll get a flight video uh, of the 700X. And, and again, look for all those little... Uh, Nick tips and tricks uh, in the tech tip section on the website. And the following week after Justin's review, I'm going to finish up the KDE stuff and um, put that written review together. That's going to include all three components of that review and the motor. So look forward to that. And uh, that's really about it, guys. It's uh, looking. Oh, that's it. That's (laughs) That's it. I mean, we could keep going. I mean, I'm sure we got something we could talk about. Oh God! I never. You know that. You know that. Nick, if I wanted to send you an email, how would I do that? Ah, uh, you would definitely send me an email at nick at rchelynation Justin, if I want to get in touch with you, you could send me an email at justin at rchelynation And Jesse, send me an email at jesse at rchelynation I am Dan. You can reach me at Dan K Reed on the forums or Dan at rchelynation I would like to invite you guys to check out our Facebook page. It's constantly growing. We're dang near 2,200 now, I believe. Yep. Amen, brother. Crazy. And also to check out our forum. It seems to be getting a little more active. I think that has a lot to do with the time of year it is. Just a matter of fact, winter's on its way as much as we hate to admit that. Alrighty, guys, this has been episode 105. We sure hope you enjoyed listening to this episode as much as we've enjoyed making it. Have a good week, guys. We'll see you next Monday. Late time, baby. Talk to you guys next Monday. Take it easy. This has been a production of RC Heli Nation, LLC, and is brought to you in part by HeliPros, KDE Direct, Progressive RC, and Jens Ace Batteries. We thank you for listening, and if you have any questions, comments, or suggestions, please feel free to send us an email.
intro is Nick is going to explain his signature shit pickle move. <laughs> and then I will explain. I will explain the um, the. What did I call mine now? Dirty Whoa. shit the, pickle. Oh, oh, the dip Your shit. What? The, the dip, dip shit. Oh, okay. <laughs> please explain. Please explain that one. That would be fantastic.